Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA radio wherever they get their podcasts. WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. John Hindorf and Jeremy Shaw in the booth, a couple of minutes away from the green flag. One or two wee issues in the opening session. This is practice two, so this is the one that split up with 15 minutes at the beginning for the AM category drivers and uh, classes and 15 minutes at the end for the pros. Shea Adam has been uh, trawling and patrolling the paddock to find out what was uh, what was going on. Jack Hawks with had a problem with the Vasa Sullivan Lexus RCF GT3. It was a fuel problem. I had a quick chat with uh, Aaron Tielitz at the fan forum about this. It's the sort of thing that the uh, mechanics hate, uh, an, an intermittent problem that they were looking at. Any sign of that car on the pit lane for this session, Shay? Well, I'm at the other end of the pit lane right now, John. I'm just across from you. Hello. Um, I came down to try and find Performance Tech because ah. that was the other car that we had mystery surrounding. They had a transponder issue in the first practice. They were out on track, even though they weren't being scored as being out on track. But they are not in the pit lane. And after a quick chat with Gwen O'Neill, she said that they have a transponder issue that is electronics-based, so they are rebuilding a wiring loom in hopes of oh. fixing this. They're not expecting to get out during this session. But the problem is there are no spare transponders on site, so they have to make the one that they had on the car to begin with. They have to make that one work. So uh, it's a bit of an uphill battle for the Mighty 38 team. And they're not allowed to go out on track without the transponder. It Correct. can't be manually timed? Nope. Okay. Um, right, okay. That's a bit of a tricky one, isn't it? Because I presume the transponder is supplied by the by, by the series. So that's maybe something we need to uh, speak uh, to the uh, speak to the powers that be uh, regarding that. Um, I mean, this session isn't isn't going to stand for anything. So whether or not they get times, I don't suppose matters. What does matter is that their drivers get time on on track. Interesting. Interesting one. Discuss at IMSA Radio if you'd like to get in touch with us. Shea's off now to find out whether the Lexus came onto the pit lane. I have a feeling it did um, because it's showing on my screen as if it was on the pit lane. So it wouldn't have done that if it was still behind the wall, if that makes uh, any sense. Jeremy, good afternoon. Uh, at a, almost a quarter past three, weather's cleared up again. Temperature's starting to rise. Uh, a little bit more sticky out there as well at the moment. Still spectators flooding in. And thank you, by the way, to everyone who came to the fan forum and to our six drivers who turned out. Jaden Conright, Aaron Tielitz, Tom Blomqvist, uh, Ollie Jarvis and the two Ryans, Eversley and DL. We had a pretty fun time, actually. I, I really wish that I'd, uh, I'd put a digital recorder across it. I'm not sure how much of it we could. Have. No, we would have been all right. We would have been all right. But it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and ready to go for the, this uh, championship, uh, the second part of this championship weekend for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. 
Uh, and this is where the uh, less ex- lesser experienced drivers get some time to themselves at the start uh, of the session. So it's going to look a little bit uh, different. It's going to be slightly confusing if you haven't seen this before. It's slightly confusing to us, and we see it every event, and I always get mixed up about what's going on. But essentially, it's 15 minutes, then... Uh, an hour and 15 minutes and then 15 minutes that's kind of how this one hour 45 Jeremy splits up yes so a uh, yes so a good amount of track time uh, for all these teams and drivers and uh, a good opportunity to get, get everything uh, nailed down and uh, and prepared for the race but of course uh, it's 315 in the afternoon now the the race will be long finished by this time on Sunday um, uh, yeah, okay, there's, there's talk about the weather being uh, substantially different on Sunday to what it is right now, so perhaps that's not really relevant. Uh, but uh, you know, basically none of this might be relevant if the rain that is uh, forecast for Sunday actually materialises. It's going to make this track very, very different for these teams and drivers. But for a lot of the teams here, you know, it's still a lot of the drivers here, it's their first time here at Road America. Uh, I saw Danny Yokadela briefly at, uh, at lunchtime and... Uh, what a what a great guy he is! Really really nice personality. He was actually chatting with Robbie Wickens, who was sent, sat down with uh, at, at lunchtime, and uh, those two both uh, they raced together in a DTM a few years yes. ago, and uh, they were only a year or so apart when they both did Formula BMW back in their formative years in the sport. And Danny, he was supposed to be driving in the uh, ADAC Masters Championship this weekend, but the opportunity came up to come here. He was asked the question, which would you rather do? No, it was no decision at all, he said. I'd, I'd heard all sorts of great things about Road America. Got to come here and loved it. This morning, he got pretty much the full experience on this racetrack. He was exploring the limits of the racetrack, particularly at Turn 7, and then again at the Kink as well. And uh, he had some pretty big eyes after that. Uh, but uh, he's loving his first time here at Road America. That's Danny Yunkadeli. He's going to be sharing that number 79 Mercedes, a WeatherTech car, with uh, Cooper McNeil. So we're on Lexus spotting duties. The car that's allowed out in this first part of the session, which is the uh, GTD uh, arm, it, it, the GTD arm effectively car, it's just called GTD, is uh, is out there. Shit, Adam, what about the pro car? Can't go out right now, but is it on the pit lane? <laughs> yes, it is. And they just did a practice pit stop that was blisteringly fast with the driver change as well. Jack Hawksworth brought it out from behind the wall. He then jumped out of the car and Ben Barnico practically ripped him out of the seat to jump in himself. But this car, which needs to sit here for about another 11 minutes before it can go out for the all-skate practice session for uh, an hour and 15 minutes and then the last 15 minutes will be the pro cars only. Yeah, it's back, it lives, it sounded good as it rumbled down the pit lane, and now it is sitting plugged in in its pit box, waiting to see whether Jack or Ben wins the arm wrestle as to who gets to drive first. Well, Jack broke it, so I think he should uh, <laughs> he should be allowed to take it out and, uh, and, and slay the course. Thank you, Shea. Shea Adam down there uh, in the pit lane for us this afternoon. As you've already heard, it's Jeremy Shaw and me, John Hindoff, in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. Um, I, I'm always sort of of a split mind, of two minds, Jeremy, about you know when we get a, a, a weather forecast that has, even at this relatively short distance, got a bad weather coming in for race day or for a qualifying or whatever, as to you know what are you gain by going out here against? Well, you know, there are some drivers who are inexperienced around here. 
uh, at Road America. It's a four-mile track. Get them out there or save the machinery. Um, but weather forecasts aren't always 100% right, are they? So, Really? Tractor, apparently not. Apparently, if you're a weather forecaster, you can be... Uh, you can only be act, you can be actually right only about twenty five to thirty percent of the time, and still keep your job. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think from what I've seen on uh, on television um, here down through the years, it's actually more how about how entertaining you are rather than whether your weather forecast is actually anywhere near correct. Um, what, what your clothing sense is, uh, to be honest, I'm not sure. Being a meteorologist is uh, is high up on the on the list. Anyway, uh, uh, we've had five minutes of the fifteen for the uh, non-pro class cars. Josh Payson, a young driver at the start of his career, but already a WEC uh, winner, event winner at Sebring earlier on. Uh, this year, he's with PR1 Matheson Motorsport here this weekend, and he's quickest with a 155.5. The opportunity here uh, for the P2s, the P3s, and the GTDs to be out without the pro category cars on track. So they've uh, they've got one or two cars fewer out on the circuit, Jeremy, for these uh, uh, less experienced drivers to push themselves to the limit. Very impressed with Jaden Conright actually at the fan forum his first time here this weekend and I, I said to him so how was that then you were almost fastest in the session he said yeah strapped on a set of uh, new tyres went for it there was a couple of places where I thought oh I might be able to go flat through here but then I remembered it was only free practice one and how unpopular I'd be if I balled up the car which, which got a big laugh from all of the other drivers and everybody was in there and uh, I think it was uh, Aaron Tealitz he said well, he's kind of learning quick this lad isn't he <laughs> very good no he's very good uh, very entertaining and thank you to those who asked questions about favourite track food and where the, the guys stay and, and everything else that came through it was really entertaining uh, so that was the fan forum earlier on the day we will have one uh, again at our next race weekend so keep an eye uh, open for that and then uh, a mega one at Road Atlanta Motul uh, at Petit Le so this session then as I say with the big bit in the middle as an all skate and then we will get the opportunity for the pro class cars the uh, DPIs and the GTD pros to go out uh, without any uh, hindrance from the other classes and that will be very quick indeed and uh, we wait to see what times they come it was pretty quick first session already down to race lap records in most of the classes so the track clearly in pretty good condition this morning it's quite a bit warmer this afternoon give you all the track temperatures in a moment after Shea Adam has spoken to Mathieu Jaminet down in the Faf Porsche pit and there are very few things that are better than coming to Road America and getting to race a Porsche. For Matthew Jaminet, this is a brand new experience coming to this track. But last year, you were part of a team that found success here. You weren't part of the driving duo, but that was still extra momentum. So how much have you been looking forward to this race weekend, knowing that everybody loves this track? Yeah, it will be interesting. I mean, I heard only good stuff uh, about this racetrack from drivers and teams. Uh, obviously, Faf was... Uh, was successful last year, uh, Mati in the Wizard Tech car as well. So uh, they want together in 19 also. So uh, let's see. I really hope we can have a good weekend and uh, yeah, hopefully uh, have another win. 
John's just said in my ear, he can't believe that you've never raced here, but that's sort of the, the theme. It's the last uh, track, really, that you haven't been to, isn't it, on uh, the American schedule? Uh, actually not. I've also never been to Virginia. So, uh, yeah, this, this round in Virginia are a completely new racetrack for me. Um, and, yeah, did my first laps this morning on this one. Uh, the track is fun, but... Uh, like I said to people already earlier, it's like, yeah, when you get old tires and you just do uh, 8, 9, 10 laps, uh, it's difficult really to have a, a good overview. So now I will have a new set and um, hopefully yeah, uh, get, get more into the rhythm of the track and, and prepare for the race. Are they going to let you loose for qualifying? New tires, low fuel, all that kind of fun? No, no, no. Uh, Matt is going to qualify and I'm going to finish the race. Well, that's fair. All right, looking forward to the race. Uh, rain in the forecast. Rain and Porsche is a very good combination as well. Rain and you is a very good combination. Are you excited about that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, were, we were actually joking this morning that we didn't really know what to expect in the dry, uh, any odd conditions, but we always know that the Porsche is actually quite good in the rain, so we were thinking, like, yeah, maybe this is our luck, that if we're just too slow in the dry, we might have a great race and we, we, we could be up there. So... Uh, yeah, let's see. It will be for sure again a new challenge. I've never raced this track and never drive this track in the rain, obviously. So, uh, if so, it will be it will be interesting. I would recommend you go back and watch the 2019 Michelin Pilot Challenge race. That was very wet, and at the end, Robin Liddell went from nowhere to the win. That's a, a good person to learn from. But you've got this championship to worry about as well. How much are you guys thinking about uh, points for this weekend versus just going for another FAF win? Um. Obviously, it's it's a little bit on the mind of everyone, but like I told to the team and uh, told to myself, I've been lucky to be fighting for championship in the last couple of years, always finishing in top three in different series. So I know how to handle the pressure. I think it's been the same for Matt. And for us, we really take it race by race. And obviously, if we can get a win, and even though we have to take some risks to try to win it, we'll try to try to go for a win and not only be scared of uh, of an incident and just thinking of the points. This is, I think, when you make the time when you make mistakes. So you just look forward and uh, yeah, don't change the approach we had until now and push maximum. And for sure, if you can grab another one, we will go for it. Well, good luck this weekend. I can't wait to talk to you after you've driven VIR because I didn't realize that that place is awesome too. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see. Thanks, Matthew. Thank see, it's not just me, Shea. It's not just me. <laughs> Very good. Mathieu Jaminet uh, with uh, Shea down in the pit lane. Well, if you going to have a, a couple of tracks you've not been to and tick them off, this is definitely this and VIR uh, they both came very high in the uh, drivers we spoke to early on um, after problems for the 14 Lexus earlier this morning a few uh, delivery problem that's been served, now an off track moment for the number 12 just a few moments ago, that's Frank Montecalvo quickest in GTD at the moment that is the sound of his V8 engine that you hear heading into the carousel on a beautiful afternoon just a wee bit of high cloud but nothing threatening it's cleared up quite nicely now let's see him coming down to the kink as she's lifted off and staying out the way of faster cars cleaning up these Michelin tyres so he's accelerating through the kink there but not really up to pace uh, as he was going through that part of the circuit hour and a half left to go in this second free practice session we're live trackside in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre good afternoon to you all here at the track and tuning in wherever you are around the world what is it half past nine in the UK half past ten in central Europe we're minus six to you here because we're in the central time zone 
uh, here at Road America, Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. Keep an eye on what we're doing over the weekend, the rest of today. Still got some more live coverage for you and then a very busy Super Saturday, uh, which will include some uh, uh, racing for Lamborghini and Porsche. We've got the qualifying for WeatherTech, which we'll have live for you in sound and vision. No blocks, no bricks, no subscriptions. And uh, that's all for you on imsaradio.com. And, of course, we've got the four hours, the four hours uh, of the Mission Pilot Challenge. Looking forward to that tomorrow as well. A couple of improvements coming through, Jeremy, notably to John Ferrano last time around at 55.5. Gar Robinson in the Riley Motorsports number 74 the uh, orange and blue car 2059 and Dakota Dickerson for MLT Motorsports in the Leisure improved before he pitted that number 58 car and, and more impressively Ryan DL went faster again at the top uh, 152.6 there for the Scots spinning car number 18 he was already fastest to the 53.0 but uh, clipped uh, 4 tenths of a second off of that so 52.619 is the time to, to beat so far in this session by Ryan DL and he's being chased there by uh, Stephen Thomas who didn't improve last time around 54.8 for Stephen uh, the quickest time this morning also set by Ryan DL was a, a 152 point uh, not very many this morning what was the time this morning it was a 152 point uh, 147 for Ryan DL this morning only about a tenth and a half slower than the uh, slowest of the DPI cars. Oh, wow. So, yeah, stunning like this morning for Ryan DL and uh, pretty close to that already this afternoon. I'd have thought the track temperature being up a bit, as it is, yeah. 104 Fahrenheit or 40 Celsius, uh, I, I, I would have thought the times would have been a wee bit slower yeah. this afternoon. Air temperature's up as well by, what, two or three degrees Celsius. Uh, 79 Fahrenheit in the air. So pleasant. Yeah. Uh, very pleasant indeed. Well, Gabby Chavez has just set the fastest time of the day in LMP3. Two minutes, 0. 0.039 for Gabby Chavez. So that is, uh, well, all of a sudden he's got uh, a couple of seconds in hand over Colin Brown. Quickest time this morning was uh, Malta Jakobsen in kind of a 33 eventful morning I think it was yeah. fair to say for Malta Jack Jackson got a penalty <laughs> for driving into somebody got, he was uh, he was air mouthy at one stage wasn't he as he had all four Michelins off the I was going to say off the track it was a, he was actually off the track by quite some yeah. margin yeah. Um, and above the grass area he, he wasn't yeah. doing any damage to the grass itself and it could have been as a result of that he spent 40 minutes in the pit lane during yeah. that session as well yeah uh, so uh, we did, you know, get, did get some laps in towards the end. Did go fastest in that Sean Creech Motorsports entry. Car number 33, the uh, white, red and blue car. Very distinctive livery on that car. Uh, but the, that fastest time this morning was a 2 minutes point four. So Gabby Chavez already four tenths quicker than that this afternoon. The other big incident that happened, it could have been um, enormous, was Dennis Anderson who had to spin um, all four wheels off at the kink pretty much flat out, just avoided the wall on the left and then speared across the road to the right. Got on the brake pedal very, very early, scrubbed a lot of speed off. Wiped the nose of the high-class racing Orica, but didn't really do much else damage as we got the green flag now for the rest of the field to come out. Well, good news for that is that high-class did change the nose 
uh, of that car and put it out in that session. And there can't have been much wrong with it because Fabio Scherer, who went out and did a couple of laps at the end of the session, is second quickest in this session, albeit a, a second away. So that car, the number 20, the red and white car, that had that uh, very scary moment, that will have uh, woken Dennis up if he wasn't already. Well, that car uh, unaffected by that this afternoon. Let's give me some drivers uh, that are coming out. It's uh, Ollie Jarvis in the championship leading number 60 Auto Nation Sirius XM Meershank Racing Acura. This is the number 60 car, the pink and black machine going down towards turn six at the moment. Pink and blue, rather, it is uh, this weekend with the swooshes down the side. Underneath the new Speedville, Johnsonville, Bratsbridge into the carousel. Both Ollie and Tom Blomqvist in very good form indeed at the fan forum. Five in a row. Five in a row. Second places. Four of which, even by their own um, admission, they felt they were in with a chance and probably could have, should have, would have won. A couple of those, they were stymied by things miles out of their control, like uh, yellow, late yellows and, in fact, a, a red flag as well when they were absolutely in control at Watkins Glen I think of particularly but they lead the championship Jeremy and you know got to be got to be on the upside and say we lead the championship not by much but as I said to them earlier on this this afternoon um, it only takes one point to win the championship that's exactly right and you know very irritating it might be to finish second position five races in a row but hey it's a lot better than finish, uh, finishing third uh, for five races in a row and as you say, that uh, consistency is, is probably what it's going to take to win this championship this year. Uh, uh, it is very, very competitive, and second place is not, nothing to be sneezed at. They've also had uh, a couple of consecutive pole positions for Tom Blomkis the last two races. But, you know, only uh, in only two of the eight races this season has that car not been on the podium. So that, by, by, by any standards, is an excellent season thus far. Well, that car number 60. I, I thought one thing was very interesting uh, that they mentioned. Um, Ollie actually mentioned that he said, you know, we're into the, the business end of the season and therefore we've got to think about the championship. And, and I said to uh, I said to Tom, well, you know, that's all very well and good. Um does that change your decision-making process in the car? He said, well, yeah, we've got to have a bit of common sense. And I sort of joked about racing drivers and common sense, which is an easy one to do, frankly. That was a free hit. Owen Trinkler's in the booth with us at the moment, and even he's giggling. It's like home run derby. Thanks very much indeed. We'll knock that one out of the bar. But in all seriousness, Jeremy, um, there's an opportunity here. And Ollie made the point. He said, if we hadn't already had a win this season, if we hadn't done such a good job, at, uh, at Daytona at the Rolex 24 maybe there would be a bit more pressure on us to go and win some races but now we really can think about the championship and strategically look at the points that we can take in this race and, and towards the end of the season yeah I mean if they can come away with the, with the crown jewel being the Rolex 24 and the championship yes. job done 
Uh, if that's their only race win of the season, who cares? Take, take that one. Thank yeah. you very much. Uh, Ollie said, "Listen, if two if two second place finishes gets us the championships from here, or a second and a third, or two thirds, yeah. I said I don't think anybody's going to be too disappointed. We'll, no. we'll we'll soon forget. Basically, we said we'll soon forget about the ones that got away. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they've had in addition to that one win and that string of podiums, uh, two fastest race laps, two pole positions. So you know, the speed has been there in that number sixty car all the way through the season." And, uh, yeah, you know, they'd love to have more wins, but who wouldn't? I just imagine, though, what, you know, where there might have been, even if they'd only had, what, three of those five? They could have easily had four of those fives uh, as victories, but even if if they'd only had a couple or three of those, they'd have been well out in front. I mean, look, yeah, I mean, you know, three of those last five races, they finished second to the, the number 10 Acura yes. in two of those they lost the lead in the closing stages correct I mean those two races alone is a that's a 60 point turnaround yes so uh, you know what is now a uh, 56 point edge for the number 60 car could easily been over 100 have been over 100 but yep. you know if ands and, and buts yep. yes etc etc pots and pans etc there you go Pick um, your yes, <laughs> pick your well-known phrase or saying there. <laughs> I think you know, in this in this sport, what you've got to say is at any time of the season, but particularly at this time of the season, in a championship, in a you know, if you think of it as a, a as a, a sports league, if you will, when you're getting round towards the end of the season, points on the board, points on the board. Yes, take that. Never, yeah. You know. Points on the board when you know you've got a quick car or a good team, to, or, to, both. To, or both, then, yeah, take that absolutely. Because they know, they know that they've got a competitive package here. Keep doing what you're doing. And they haven't messed up. They have not messed up. No, no major mistakes. That's right. They were just all circumstances and uh, you know, just the, the odd thing here and there that, that we'll see the difference between winning and having second position yeah. so yeah the pace is absolutely there in that car it's been a tremendous season and good to see yeah. Tom Blomqvist uh, and Ollie gelling so well yeah. it is so important to get that that personal relationship and they were having a good joke backwards and forwards today and it's quite obvious that they get on very well oh down at turn five a run on for Renga van der Zander, who is the fastest driver, so quickest last time around, 150.894, tried to break a little bit later, maybe going into five. Uh, there's been a few incidents at five and seven today, so five behind the pits at the bottom of the, the hill, and then seven, the right-hander, uh, before you uh, head down, again down the hill. Hurry Downs. Down through Hurry Downs, yes. And that's where he is now with traffic ahead of him, including the Sean Creech Motorsport uh, prototype. And also that was the that was the 16 right Porsche, the light blue and black car. You had Halen at the wheel of that car. And it was Joe, Joe Barbosa driving the uh, Sean Creech LMP3 car. Did a good job there too. You know, clearly, those two very experienced drivers knew what was coming up behind them. Stay out of the way, let Regulander Zender go through. And as you said... Van der Zander, he just got the uh, set the fastest time of this session, 50.894. So only about three tenths slower than his best lap this morning. And he was on another good lap there until he made that little mistake down at turn five. 
So clearly that uh, number zero one Cadillac is fast. It's been a while since we've been able to say hello to Owen Trinkler in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. We're taking a, a break from Team TG um, uh, whilst this session is on and uh, the Michelin Pilot Challenge. Hello, Owen. How are you? John, I'm doing great. I'm, I, my rookie stripes are back on here in the in the booth, man. It's <laughs> been so long. It's good to be back with you and Jeremy and Eve. And uh, I was just coming over to say hello and uh, watch a little practice here today. How's the how's the track uh, developing through through this week? You've had a couple of practice sessions. One yesterday, uh, one earlier on today. Michelin rubber getting laid down now. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, John, we out late yesterday afternoon, I think 3 o'clock, and then we were out at 9.45. So a little bit different condition for us. We were out this time yesterday, and then we were out early this morning. Then we race 90-degree weather tomorrow, so completely different strategy. So we're, uh, the guys are actually working on the car right now, making a couple changes to be ready for the heat tomorrow. There's some good rubber getting down, but this track's going to change drastically tomorrow with probably 30-degree temperature change that we're seeing today. Now, now uh, we talked about this in, in your session. Uh, as just a moment to go at turn one, the zero two Cadillac going ah, off. <laughs> long yeah, way. That long l- way off there. That lap's going to be disallowed. So if that was qualifying, that lap wouldn't count at turn one, well over the quote unquote curbs. Um, and the opportunity here to add another driver because it is the second four hour race. Now, you guys eschewed that at Daytona and you tried to, to do. Well, no, you did. No, I did. Hold on. You did do, <laughs> yes. You did do. I just didn't make the podium. Yeah. I made the end of the race. You made the end of the race doing, uh, what, three hours and, and 20 minutes pretty much of the, of, of the race. It, uh, you, you were knackered at the end of it, to use a very British phrase. How are you guys approaching this one and the likely heat tomorrow? Uh, not much different. I mean, I think, well, we've added some cooling stuff to the car. Let's back up there. Daytona, the car was so new to us. There's some things that we didn't do. Uh, the drink system I wasn't accustomed to, and so I didn't use it, unfortunately. But I've, we've gotten that straightened out now. I didn't have a cool shirt. Got that all fixed and stuff now, and uh, I've got the helmet blower working. So we're going to be, and I put myself back in shape. It's almost like a bicycle racer peaking for, like, the Tour de France or something. Like I, Not that I was peak for these other races, but I had, had this one circled for Ted and I. All the four-hour races is an opportunity for us to be on the podium with them, and that's the goal tomorrow. And so I just feel like I've peaked, you know, right now at the right time to come here and, and do three hours and 20 minutes tomorrow. But why wouldn't you put him in for the middle stint or a middle stint? We've talked about it, and we just kind of just went away from that and just said, you know, if we can get the time done early and then we got three pit stops to make up some ground and, and figure out our strategy on which we want to do, that just opens up our window on how we want to call the race at that point. And we saw what we did at Daytona. And so we felt we talked about that, like Jeremy said, to maybe start myself and then just run, say if we get a caution 20 minutes in, then put him in for his 40-minute stint. Yeah. Um, But we just went back to what we've kept as tradition, starting him, and uh, then he's just got to jump out of the car, I'll hop in, and then we're done doing that. So as soon as the 40 minutes is up, Ted will get out. We'll pit as soon as we get the time limit, you know, green or yellow. We'll we'll make that pit stop here and uh, go to the end. We got the WeatherTech cars out at the moment. We got the full field of 37 cars out, so pretty much as busy as what you've got. Five classes here, though. Yeah. Uh, Owen, how tough is that for the guys? Let's say in the middle classes or the, the, the GTD, the front end of the GTD field is almost as quick as, as P3 cars. You must have to have a head on a swivel for this sort of stuff. Oh, you do. I mean, it's kind of back to Daytona. You talked about our four-hour race, you know, what happened to me. But then I had to get ready for Saturday for the 24 uh, in that race, but now the, all the classes are back together here, just like at Daytona. And yeah, the fast GTD cars, you're catching some of the gentleman guys in the P3, and it just becomes you know a little bit of a traffic jam during that race. 
And how about the four-hour race here then? It's traditionally, for the last few years, it's been up the seal at six hours of the Glen. We end, that, that's tough for us because we've got two long long races together. Uh, what's the, what's the, the, the skinny from the paddock about it being moved to this weekend? People like coming here? I love this place, um, but I think it's a little bit of an unknown, John, um, because one, our, our Porsche's obviously new this year, but the curbs here are pretty violent. You know, we just talked about seeing the, the DP off in turn one and how violent the curbs are. So four hours of beating on these curbs here at Road America, you know, it's in the unknown a little bit. We've always done two hours here or two hours and 45 minutes. Yep. Um, we're going to go four hours and, you know, are the cars going to have any issues here attrition-wise? Stay with us, Owen. Um, Jeremy's got some more questions for, okay. for you. We're going to head down to uh, the, uh, the uh, DPI field and to... Uh, to Acura, where Tom Blomqvist, we're talking about this team, five times second place in a row here coming up, and Tom's out the car at the moment because it is Ollie Jarvis who is uh, pounding around and doing the laps at the moment. Tom, it's been one of those seasons that you're going to look back on, and if champion is next to your name, there's no asterisk next to it for how many races were won or how many finishes were on the podium. All that matters at the end of the season is champion. A couple years ago, we had Jan Magnus and Antonio Garcia win the championship without winning a race. At least having the Rolex on your wrist, that's a pretty good sign from the season, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if we're not going to win any more races, but with one Daytona, obviously, we're definitely going to take that. I mean, if you want to win one, that's the one you want to win, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, if another second place gets us a championship, then hey, we'll, we'll take it for sure. So uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a super close weekend as it always is. Um, obviously, the weather could throw a spanner in the works come Sunday. It looks a bit, <laughs> bit dodgy. Uh, which is a bit annoying, especially if we've got all the build-up and the beautiful sunshine. So, uh, hey, let's see. But it's the same for everyone. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. I mean, this track's one of my favorites. So it's cool to drive these cars around here. But, uh, yeah, let's see if we can keep chipping away and, uh, you know, give us a shot at, at, you know, going for the pole tomorrow. And then we see what, what happens on Sunday. Yeah, this place is, is good to you, too. I seem to remember setting a fast lap a couple years ago in the BMW. So you know how to go quickly around this place. But in a prototype, vastly different experience. And in the wet, I can imagine that would only be exemplified. But are you are you hoping it stays dry because all the practice has been in the dry or because these cars would be a bit of a handful in the wet, wouldn't they? Yeah, for me, I think I'd prefer if it stood, stayed dry. Um, I mean, everyone's in the same boat, but, you know, I think I'd take my chances in the drive more so than the wet. But, uh, you know, we, that's one thing we can't control, right, in racing is the weather. So uh, it will be what it will be, and we just have to make the most of it. You and Oli have jarred so well this year. You guys have become a really good team and swapping back and forth on the qualifying duties, you with the last two pole positions, going for a consecutive uh, third one tomorrow maybe? Definitely going to try. Um, that's the goal, obviously. But it's also the goal of the other six cars, you know, other five cars. So uh, it's never easy. But, uh, yes, you know, the last few races have been good for us. But uh, we just need to make sure we get our car in the window and then execute a, a good qualifying tomorrow. But uh, yeah, we still got it. We got some work ahead of us, though, I think. Looking forward to the final race of the season being the 10 hours, the Motul Petit Le Mans. That's been a very good race for Meyer Shank Racing in the past. They've gotten some famous wins as uh, Ollie decides to chip in there and add a little bit of accurate noise to the background. How much are you looking forward to that race in and of itself? 
yeah, it's actually one of my favorite events um, that we have here on the IMSA calendar. I think obviously after Daytona, it's probably my second favorite. It, you know, I did it a few years ago, and it's just super cool, the fans driving into the night. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great event, uh, so I'm excited for that. And again, it's one of the, the exciting tracks on the calendar, and it's actually a very difficult one with the, with the traffic, and there's going to be a lot more cars, you know, come... You know, come the endurance races here at Petit, so uh, yeah, we're gonna have, we're gonna have definitely uh, a lot to deal with. Hopefully, we can go there with a bit bit more of a buffer in the championship, but uh, yeah, easier said than done. For sure. You mentioned the fans at Petit Le Mans, but there are great fans here at Road America too. I mean, we've already got the front straight lined as well. How much are you enjoying this place and the fan interaction here? Yeah, I mean, the fans here at Road America are also uh, fantastic. Uh, it's great to see so many people out already, you know, today, even yesterday, camping and stuff. So it's just awesome, you know, the, the, the fan interaction here in, IMSA, in the IMSA paddock is great. So, uh, yeah, everyone's doing a great job. And, uh, yeah, just hopefully uh, keep our fingers crossed for us. Thanks, Tom. Good luck this weekend and at Petit. Be pretty cool to book in this season. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Yeah, with two of the Blue Riband races uh, as well. Startling revelation from Ollie Jarvis and Tom Blomqvist. They've not tried the track food here at Road America, which almost got them drummed out of the fan forum <laughs> earlier on. <laughs> Jeremy Shaw is with uh, Owen Trickler here in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. You were about to ask Owen something when we were No, there. I was going to say we've got some very fast lap ah, times at the right. front of the field, <laughs> right. in actual fact, because uh, the fastest time this morning was set uh, by Ricky Taylor at 150.539. Renga van der Zander was the first one to really make a, a, a statement in this session and 0-1 Cadillac turned a 150.4 then that was eclipsed by um, Philip Albuquerque who turned a, a 50.0 I think it was and he went quicker again now 149.806 a new wow. benchmark time from Philip Albuquerque so uh, a really good run there for that uh, Konica Minolta Wayne Taylor racing uh, Acura car number 10 uh, El Bamba has snuck into second base. He's had a couple of laps disallowed for uh, exceeding the track limits on the racetrack, but he's gone second now at 150.052. And Renga van der Zender, still quicker than anybody went this morning, now third fastest at a 150.4. That's kind of 0-1. Also, that, uh, the lap time that uh, Frankie Monte Calvo did early in this session to be fastest in GTD, 205.975. That also was quicker than any other GTD car in this morning's session. Did we not have a 48 this morning? Uh, I, I thought we had one car in the 48 this morning. I, if I, I, I apologise. No, 50.5 oh, okay. this morning. Right, sorry. Yeah. Okay. I must have dreamed that. Maybe that's Well, what we no, that was a lap record. The qualifying lap record ah. was a 48.7. Well, ah, is a 48, there you go. That's what had stuck. Yeah, well that's done. what had stuck in my mind. I do listen to you, Jeremy. I don't always file it in the right compartment in my brain. But I do listen to you. Uh, track limits here, Owen. Um, it, it, you know, we hate talking about track limits, um, and but there are a couple of places here where you can cheat a couple of tenths. Turn one, notably, is it worth going that wide? Can you, if you take that much more speed through the apex and, and run wide, are you getting an advantage there? Well, I mean, not too much. I mean, as you saw when we were watching on, on the TV screen here with uh, Earl Bamber, I think, went off and won. And, and how rough it is, I don't think it really benefits you that much. Yeah, to use the first part of the curb, definitely, which with, you're within track limits. But once you go over that, it tips over that curb, drops off. 
I don't think it really helps you because the entry coming back on is so hard underneath the car um, to, to get back on the exit of turn one. And you're going a fair distance further as well. That's right. You? You're going yeah. further around, yeah. you know, and stuff. So, and even turn five, I don't think it benefits you to really go way out there no. at all. And so, um, that's why it's going to be interesting tomorrow in our race, in the Michelin Pilot race, to see like what the attrition is going to be with just suspension parts. It, it, we're getting the whole circuit resurfaced in October here, right the way around, the whole four miles. Another significant financial investment yeah. by the ownership group here, which they just keep rolling them out. We often don't see so many of them from our point of view because they're looking after the, the paying customers, i.e. The, the guys and the girls who are out watching the race and the facilities that they've got a, a second to none around here, whether it's bathrooms or PA uh, systems or, or the new trails that you can get around the circuit. That's going to make a big difference. When we think back to Watkins Glen being resurfaced and how much oh. quicker that was. So when we come back here next year, we, we're going to see some ridiculous oh, times. Oh, crazy and, times. And ridiculous commitment required. Of course. Yeah, I mean, it's already commitment here already. Exactly. I mean, just in the old pavement, which I love. There's a couple of other places that are going to get repaved, but I'm old school. I like the re, you know, the older pavement uh, where you have some tire deck that goes, and you've got to really you challenge yourself. The car starts moving around. When we repave all these places, it, I guess it brings the field closer together in, in, in some regard because do you, if you get out of your setup window uh, with all that grip, it doesn't really matter as much. And so, But when the car starts slipping and sliding around, I'm an old dirt track guy, so that's, maybe that's what I like a little bit. Um, but it's going to make this place – it's already committed already as we roll through the kink. Um, it's just going to give you more commitment here as Are they you refave flat it. through the kink in a, in no, a GT4 car? we make a lift there. You know, we just kind of roll off the throttle and roll it right back on. But, I mean, it's you're still fully committed there. Now, qualifying might be a different deal, which I'm not a part of tomorrow morning. Uh, but I have been in the past here, and uh, – there's not much of a lift there. There is some, but it's not much as you think there is. You still is. have to be on the right line. It's no, not, you have it's to be on the right line. It's not an easy corner, is no, it? No, it's not an easy corner. And especially as the tires fall off, it gets you know harder and harder as we go on a run. I mean, yeah, it's called a kink. That's not a kink. It's a corner. No. <laughs> yeah. It's a straightaway, especially for the DPI cars. No, it's a corner. It's a, I mean, it's I just, mean, you know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're ripping the through there really fast. It's so. a corner. You've got to work hard through that one, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. In a GT car, then... The, Owen, where do you make your time around here? Where does the car have to work really well? The biggest thing is there's some slower corners here. Obviously, we talk about the kink, which is the fastest turn here. Um, but you've got to really work on your drive off here, off the slower corners, from Canada corner, from turn five, um, off turn three. For the long straightaways, you've got to get the car to really turn well and then get good drive off, forward bite. And uh, that's what we've been working on uh, in the two practices that we've had. And I'm Without sure, chewing up the Michelin tires. Yeah, and I think that's one reason you see the Lexus at the top of the field here in GTD because they've got so much torque coming off, off those slower yeah. corners that they can put the power down and get down those straightaways. And they've worked really, really hard down through the years, Jeremy, because they, the, the Lexus RCF, when it first came out, they were struggling to keep the rear tires underneath yeah. that car. They had to concentrate on that. I remember here them running out a grip within... 15, 20 laps, and the yeah. guys on the radio going, guys, I can't drive this. They've worked a lot on that, and it's paying dividends for them here. This season, they're you know, make, making more strides again. Yeah, the last couple of years, yeah, they've got plenty of experience on this uh, with this Lexus now, but uh, it's something they've been working very, very hard on. They know how important it is. Yeah. Uh, if if you, you've got a car that works early in the center in qualifying, great, but if it isn't working well at the end of the race... It really doesn't mean anything at all. So you know, it's the it's the end of stint life that is really you are focused on 
for the most part, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, that's what we've worked on, you know, quite a bit during our practice sessions, more long run pace than, yeah. than the short run pace. But we talk about the Lexus, you know, we talk about a course that needs drive off is Mid-Ohio too, Jeremy. Like, yeah. And they've been very successful at Mid-Ohio. They've won there a couple of times. And this place doesn't – it resembles maybe a little bit of Mid-Ohio because the older pavement. And uh, you just got to get that forward bite and get the good drive off here. Great track. Love this place. Love the surroundings and everything. Uh, everything about it. What's the the plan for 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 you guys now at TGM for the uh, the re- you guys qualify tomorrow, don't you? So first thing tomorrow morning. So you can't afford any slip ups there. Can't afford to have the car on the wall because there's not a lot of time to turn that around before the four hour race. No, it'd have been nice to kind of qualify tonight, maybe uh, since we practiced so early this morning. And the guys have just been kind of doing some race prep already uh, because we've got a short time from actually qualifying to the race, and that's a four hour race. And so it's not much time to get the guys, you know, to get the car turned around and prepped. So they've been doing that this afternoon. So you, you treat qualifying, you know, it is qualifying, but the car's got to make the start line too for the race at the same time. You're not gonna, you're not gonna change, hold, have wholesale changes on the car setup at that point. Just put less fuel in it and and send Ted out to qualify. Yeah, we're making some changes right now. It's more for the heat related. Is what we feel like the track's going to go to tomorrow that we kind of learned during the practice session. So there's a minor changes that we're doing to get ready for tomorrow, but we're not going to put it like in qualifying trim or anything like that for him. It's just going to be in race race trim and a bit of extra track time for yeah, Ted. Yeah, uh, so we view it more as track time for him, and we view that as 15 minutes. You know that he gets more seat time. Uh, since we've gone to two practices now, and we've, they've eliminated that third practice, we, we just treat this as another practice session for him. He's been doing a great job recently, though. His job is to get out there and hand the car over straight, no dents, no dings, and still on the lead lap. He's been, it's been a, I, I think it's like a, a up and down year a little bit, but we started the year off so good at Daytona, and yeah. we got him on the podium right away. It's like I was telling Eve, like, this year we're going to have some up and downs. That's motor racing, uh, but to start the year off, second on the Friday race, then seventh in the in the Rolex 24 in GTD, which he is a true bronze. I know there's conversations on what's going to happen <laughs> with GTD as far as the bronze rating, but when you looked at that field, one to seven in the finishing order, he was the first really true gentleman driver that was in the field, and to put him there in the top ten, that, that was a great goal, and uh, we led the points for a little bit this year too in the 64 car, so we've had a stellar season. Um, he got sick the last race, so he couldn't uh, couldn't run with me. That's why I ended up running the race to the 50 minutes to go. But hey, we're we're having fun, and uh, this is a race that we look forward to tomorrow and see if we get on the podium. I uh, wish you all the best. Race well, Thanks, man. Race well tomorrow. You're always welcome in here. Great to be back with you guys and come up here and see. You. I'm glad you're here live, and uh, look forward to seeing you again at Road Atlanta. Yeah, I'm very envious of you being able to go to uh, the uh, big machine. At Music City Grand Prix on Sunday in your hometown. My hometown. I, I am uh, pushing for our series to be there. And, uh, of course you are, but you can sleep in your own bed and yeah. stay with Jenny yeah. and the kids. It's, uh, it's, it's a place that I want to race at some point, and hopefully uh, IMSA makes the trip there, I, I hope. Um, I have no insight on what, what goes on there, but I'm really good friends with the guys that put the Grand Prix on. They do some stuff with me personally, and so... Uh, maybe we'll get to race in, in Nashville here one day. I know you love it. We've had oh. a good time there. And, uh, Need to reprise our, our <laughs> yeah. tri- a trip to you. And uh, the, night, the nights out in Nashville are like no- nothing else other than what I've had in the northeast of England. It puts me in the same frame of mind when I go there. It's a true party town. Yeah. Love it to bits. Oh, good luck, mate. Have a race well for the weekend and uh, say hi to Ted and the team for us. Thanks. I appreciate it. You know, I've got my inner uh, Jeremy Shaw going on this weekend, I see too. That. Yeah. So uh, yeah. That'll, that'll bring us good luck this weekend. <laughs>
that would be the stash, as Shears just said, in my ear. Absolutely. Just a moment or two ago. Again, turn one all the way out, bouncing over the curbs. I think you can steer flat through there whilst you, you're doing that. And that's the point that uh, that uh, Owen was making. Uh, Rainer van der Zander had a little puff of smoke from underneath the car as the back end of the car was grinding out uh, in that uh, let's go down to Shea Adam uh, in the pit lane. He's chasing down a couple of things at the moment. What's going on down there at the moment? Still an hour to go. The last 15, of course, will be the Pro Class Audi, Shea. I am thrilled to say that we have another car out on the racetrack. Performance Tech finished rebuilding the electronics loom, and James French just took that car out. Man, that just sounds right to say. Performance Tech, James French, Road America, those things just go well together. He's out there for a shakedown, and then they're going to get Cameron Shields in the car here fairly quickly. So I will come back for a chat with James because... Uh, he knows this place very well. He knows the car very well. And he will be a happy boy after all of these repairs have been done. But hats off to Performance Tech for not giving up, not calling it a day, and working double time. Thank you, Shit. Shit, Adam down there in the pit lane. Jeremy Sean, John Hindoff in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. Owen Trinkner taking his leave. Going back to see how Team TGM are getting along. Great to hear his Nashville tones back with us again. Yes, I watched the uh, the highlights of CMA Fest earlier on this week on ABC. Four nights of top country music. Magnificent. Unfortunately, it's at the same time as Le Mans, so I'm never going to be able to get to go and see it. Which, uh, Jeremy... If you don't like country music, you don't like stories of life. It's, it's such a broad church hey, music. I was brought up with Jake Thackeray. Well, there you go. That's, That's country music. Exactly. Yes. Folk absolutely. music, it used to be called. Folk music, absolutely. I, I love, I, I love the, the broad church that is country music, whether it's the, uh, the cowboy rock, whether it's something more traditional. Such a lot of crossover going on as well with those artists and the collaborations as well that go on between the artists so I really think it's very cool indeed right under the last hour to go which means 45 minutes to go for the LMP 2s 3s and GTDs interesting there just going past us and down into uh, the first corner Jeremy just how difficult it was for an, uh, an LMP 3 to draft by and get by and stay in front of one of the GTD Pro cars the GTD Pro was the Lexus number 14 and the prototype was which one is that that's the LMP3 that is an LMP3 car I was right in the first place and that is the Mighty 38 uh, yeah. that is uh, going around at the moment the red and silver car of James French for performance tech that was the car that had its uh, little issues earlier on just how small though that uh, LMP3 car looks yes. compared to the Lexus who's towering over it amazing yeah which is even more interesting isn't it about you know, those, those LMP3 cars, low to the ground, um, barely come up to your waist <laughs> when you're standing next to them. So quite clearly, they're moving a whole heck of a lot less air when they're going through it. That all of the GT cars, possibly with the exception of the, the, the Lamborghini, but they're all quite bluff-fronted cars because, you know, they're a, a two-door coupe for the, for the most part, the cars that are out there. Um, you've got the, the Lamborghini that's a the mid-engine car. You've got the Porsche that's a rear-engine car. So they've got slightly less frontal area. But my goodness me, uh, 
it's a big it's a big thing to be moving the air. So how much power must those GT3 cars to be having to be as quick down this long straight? It was only right at the very end of the straight uh, when James French had the had the momentum to be able to get through and make that pass. Probably mostly on the on the braking uh, performance rather than the engine performance. Extraordinary. And James is I mean James is not a a rabbit driver either, is he? Let's be fair. Yeah, no kidding. He, he's fast. He's had a lot of success here in the past. His home track, of course. So, great to see him back here from Sheboygan, Wisconsin. And uh, he's currently in the uh, eighth position. It's all fairly tight in LMP3. I have to say that Joao Barbosa goes second fastest oh. for Ch Sean Creech. Motorsports in kind of a 33. Uh, two minutes, 0.831 for that kind of a 33. He's... Uh, about three quarters of a second behind Gabby Chavez, who said that time very early on for Andretti Autosport Economist 36. Now, this morning, from memory, and Jeremy's got the piece of paper, so he'll correct me if I'm wrong, I think we had three different DPIs with the fastest sector times. This afternoon, the Cunningham Minolta Acura, the number 10, with its 149.806, has gone magenta, which is quickest of anybody, in all three of those sectors. So that was a pretty hooked-up lap that netted that 149.806. Sitting in the pits at the moment, Felipe Albuquerque brought it in. Turn five action, just a couple of moments ago, with a bit of side-by-side, and then the silver and blue. Uh, is that one of the... PR1 cars. Is the PR1 cars? One of them. Yes, exactly. Which one, though? That's the question. Not easy... To say, number eleven cars on an out lap. Yeah, I think. I, right. I think that was the fifty-two, Jeremy. Yeah, I think that was Patrick Kelly. <laughs> uh, Tristan Nunes has just taken the number eleven car out. Yeah, Patrick Kelly. He he was uh, uh, part of the uh, winning team here in. Uh, in P2 back in 2019 along with Matt McMurray uh, so part of this uh, the PR1 team so last last year it was Era Motorsport that won here with Dwight Merrin and, and Ryan DL that's the car that's fastest so far in LMP2 quicker actually than all the Jarvis at the moment uh, the year before it was Dragon Speed USA that came away with the win Henrik Hedman and Ben, ben Hanley then uh, Ben's not driving the car this weekend, instead it's Juan Pablo Montoya. And in 2019, as I say, Patrick Kelly and and uh, Matt McMurray won here for PR1. So three different winners in the last three years for the P2 category. Before that, it was, uh, well, the P2s were part of the overall. overall yeah. yeah. Before they were slowed down uh, a little bit to yeah. get taken out with the top class effectively and to get what uh, I think it's the ACO that call it stratification don't they between the classes it's not necessarily about the balance within the class but the balance between the classes and to get some distance between them interesting talking to some of the uh, talking to some of the uh, manufacturers for GTP for next year Jeremy that the uh, early running of the, the GTPs has been very encouraging. We thought that uh, they would be quite a lot slower than what we're seeing at the moment. And, and, and that isn't a criticism, by the way. That was the, the thought from the, the way the, uh, the regulations were, 
were written. They're very, very quick in a straight line because they don't have as much downforce or as much tyre, and they have a lot more power than the current DPIs. But given that they are a little bit heavier and uh, with the hybrid uh, and the lack of that uh, downforce, it was thought they would be overall round the lap quite a bit slower than the current DPIs. Talk to uh, one or two of, of the... Uh, the guys who've been involved in the early shakedowns and uh, and more of those cars, they're not that far off DPI times already, which is is great news for us because we like to see fast racing cars. But you know, so long as they're all racing together, I don't really mind if they're a couple of seconds slower than what we have at the moment. But it's really good news for IMSA and LMP2 because LMP2 has been slowed down quite a lot in. WEC and at Le Mans because their potential pace is right up there with the hypercars and obviously they want to make that gap between the classes and that's involved some pretty heavy re-engineering or at least recalibrating of things like fuel flow uh, and engine performance for the LMP2s in the WEC and uh, also making the tyres harder as well which makes them hard to switch on and they're not particularly nice cars to drive now is what I'm hearing from uh, some of the guys who race them and also there's very little to do engineering wise, we've talked to the guys at Le Mans about that uh, in terms of what they can do, it's not that much of a challenge, not many changes you can make it would appear that if the early running from the DP uh, from the new DPIs, the GTPs is anything to go by I, I, I think we're still going to have enough of a gap between the new cars next year and P2 to give to keep P2 involved in the championship and I think that's great news yeah great I, news I, I completely agree with you there and you know, I too have been talking to a couple of drivers uh, as we both have this week and they're saying you know they're really enjoying mm. driving the the new GTP uh, cars uh, in the early development phases and as they say that it's still early development phases so they expect to find more pace in those cars before they go racing next year uh, you've got another six months of development on the car, so I'm sure there is more time to be found there. And they said they're tremendous fun to drive, as you say, a bit quicker on the straight. So the braking areas, uh, braking distances are going to be a little bit longer than they are now because they do have less downforce uh, through the corners. So they're not uh, quite carry, uh, not able to carry quite the speed they do now, but approaching those corners faster. So that does extend the braking zones just a little bit, and that's going to make uh, overtaking. Uh, at least uh, theoretically, a little bit more. And you should be able to follow. Easier. Not that we've ever had any problem with prototypes following, but if they're less aero sensitive, yeah. uh, you should be able to get closer through through the corners. Another track limited penalty for number zero two car. That's had a lot of them. Yeah, uh, it seems today. And it's all at turn one, isn't it? Yeah. Eventually, race control, who aren't a million miles away from us, actually, um, not quite as close as they used to be we used to be able to look to oh. our left and say straight in oh. and now we've got some damage on the exit oh. of turn one that's nasty uh, and that might actually require some remedial action yeah. this is another point about consistently going over the curb edges yeah. there's a, a transition point there between the surface of yeah. the the exit up curb and it's yeah. right where yeah. people are running off the track uh, and, and catching the ins the the left hand side Michelin's in that you could easily damage a shoulder of a tyre there. Absolutely, you could. Yeah, that's that's quite dangerous at the moment. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised 
even to see uh, to hear that race control is thinking about throwing a red flag yeah. on that session because there's a fair bit of debris out there now and cars are running over it fairly regularly and if uh, if you're if you're following somebody through there that debris could get uh, kicked up and thrown you know thrown through a uh, a, a, a radiator or a windscreen or something that's that's pretty dangerous out there right I, now i've Quite I know frankly. we've always had that sort of striation tarmac at the at the edge of turn one with the the painted white lines on. I can't remember seeing so many people going so far no. over that in in recent years. So I don't know if it's worn down a little bit and it's not quite as as corrugated as it used to be. But uh, that is a substantial break now at the exit of turn one uh, and. As Jeremy said, a lot of people taking, well, I was going to say taking liberties. Look, it's your job to find out where the limits are, but they are stretching the limits there. Let's uh, be clear on that. And they have been, and some of them have been penalised. If that was during qualifying, your lap wouldn't count. And we've seen a couple yeah. of times this year when people have struggled to get a decent lap together. Where where that damage is, is now apparent on the race track, well, it's not on the race track. It's off the race track. It's on the on that over that exit curbing. But where it is right now isn't out of bounds. That that is that is the limit. But um, that they're within the limit in terms of the uh, red flag. What, yeah, red flag, and I'm uh, sure uh, that's why. Absolutely, no yeah. doubt, Jeremy. <clears throat> absolutely, no doubt. The, the prototypes, in particular, they're they're all the way across yeah. the white line. So yeah. for me, the white line is the edge of the track. They're off the track at that point. Yeah, but but the the, the rules allow you to, uh, to 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 have the right hand side wheels on the left-hand edge, the outside edge of, of that the curve. curve. You can't go more okay. than that. But where that, uh, where that damage is, is right on the outside curve. So you know, we see a lot of cars straddling that. And we also just saw Pipo Durrani there. You could see him literally tightening the line, trying yes. try to avoid it. Uh, and he, he, he kind, of, kind of did. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's getting pretty dangerous now. So, yeah, debris turn one is showing up on the scoring screen. Very good call by race control. Totally agree. And uh, they're not sure what they can do about it at this stage. Quick other than, dry. Other than make sure, yeah, you do mm. quick dry in there, but that's going to take a while to, uh, to, to sort out. Uh, and I think, yeah, the, 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 the drivers just have to uh, uh, avoid it, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it's... Let, let's consider... Uh, what we uh, this have. Is not, this is not the race. This is no, uh, and there's nothing. You don't want this happening during the race. You no, know, th- there's nothing else happening after this. Right. So, um, uh, but tomorrow it is very busy because we've got a four-hour race to fit in, and Sunday is very busy because we've got two uh, races, one each for Carrera Cup and Trofeo. So, yeah. making up time. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen tonight. The one problem, and we'll go down to Shane in a moment. Uh, with that is uh, there is a state of the series address by the IMSA president John Doonan this evening and um, that means um, now whether that can be moved if big chunks yeah and and the the problem is um, it is the overlay at the edge of the quote-unquote curb that is just beginning and I think the heat will probably have something to do with this as well um, it is once you once you break one piece off, it's like 
I'm sorry to use this analogy, but it, it's like, it's like well, I've found something else that's better. You know, if you put a bit of super glue or something on your hand, it's like peeling off the edge of that super glue. And once it starts to come, you're going to get it all eventually. And there's some quite large pieces there that are going to need some remedial action. It's kind of like the, a layer of pastry on a cake, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it comes away now pretty quickly as, as uh, one of the... Uh, yeah, the, 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 yeah. It, it's, it's the last little bit on the edge big, big, big of, of the curb. It's about a foot wide yeah. and, um, and, uh, and probably an inch and a half thick. Yeah, at least, yeah, I was going to say a couple of inches. It's close, yeah. Let's go down to Sheer Adam, who's at Heart of Racing. Sarah Rigby, we were delighted to hear from <laughs> Alex Riberas. Yeah, just for Sarah Rigby, we're going to have a chat with Alex. Um, this red flag has actually worked out kind of nicely for you guys because it was a big setup change going on for the 23 Heart of Racing Aston Martin. This car has already taken you to victory lane twice. You've been on pole position here in a different make of what seems like not very long ago, but I'm sure it was at this point. Is this a good car for this track? Absolutely. I mean, uh, as you said, we, we have some good memories here with the heart of racing. Uh, it's a track that I feel like everybody loves. I was um, thinking before about Danny Junkadella, my friend that just came from Spa, and it's his first time here in North America, and I definitely want to ask him tonight, like, so what do you think? Because, I mean, this place is phenomenal. And uh, for sure, there's a lot of, like, long, high-speed corners where you need, like, a lot of uh, high, high downforce um, and uh, the potential of the car to, to basically handle the high loads that are sustained for that long. And I think the Aston can do a great job at that. Uh, for sure, we are, at the moment, like, dealing with some gremlins, and that's why we are uh, working on the car quite a lot right now. So this red flag, as you said, comes handy. Uh, but hopefully we'll be we'll be strong and where we where we need to be for tomorrow's quali. In terms of a friend, when they call you and say, "Hey, Alex, I've never been to this track before in North America," do you actually give helpful advice? Because uh, ultimately, different classes, but you're still racing against them. Yeah, I say, play some my racing, mate. <laughs> you say flat through the kink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, turn one is flat, easy. Just short shift. <laughs> Now, in terms of being in this category with the four other classes on track, you're the same speed as one of them, but you're slower than three of them. How busy is it with the traffic out there? Oh, it's wild. It's definitely uh, one of the most exciting elements of the race, to be honest, just uh, dealing with the traffic. It's not just about going quick and having the pace, having the consistency and uh, taking care of the tires. You also need to deal with uh, all of this unknown, which is uh, especially the LMP3 cars. As you said, some of them are actually slower than us. Uh, so I think that's going to be key in the race, uh, especially if we get the weather coming in, which uh, could, uh, again, mess things up quite a lot more. So I'm, I'm honestly excited. I think it, it actually takes uh, a little bit more out of the driver because uh, you, you need to be good at, at not just being quick, but you need to be a complete driver to, to get to winner's circle over here. It's a very good point, and especially when you're thinking about championship at the same time as driving the race car. Yes, you want to win the races, but you also want the top three in the championship. And right now, second, third, and fourth, very hotly contested. How do you balance that when you're trying to drive a race car at 170 miles an hour? Yeah, you honestly try to forget about the consequences of what you're doing and, and focus on optimizing what you have in that in every situation. Uh, because it, it's, easy, it's easy to fall into the trap of... Um, just wanting certain, uh, a certain outcome very badly. And if the circumstances that you have are not very favorable to achieve that outcome, you're, you have a much lower chance of actually optimizing what you have. 
And I, that, I think that's something that we, we saw in Watkins Glen as well this year. I think it's, it's a mindset that you just have to basically take the most out of every situation and, and try to learn how to basically negotiate. Because at the end of the day, that's what traffic management is all about, is you're literally just trading a space in the track with the guy that is approaching from behind. And it's like, how, how badly do you want to pass me in this corner? And how much do I need to stay in front of you in this corner? And then you kind of like reach an agreement and it happens in a heartbeat. It, it's funny how sometimes I explain that to my parents and it's like, it's literally what happens in a, heart, in a heartbeat. You're just literally uh, negotiating like that. So I feel like it's, it's sort of a skill as well. This team is one family. I've been saying that for years. And, of course, Roman DeAngelo is still very much embroiled in the GTD championship. He's got a good chance to overtake that championship lead this week. Do you guys help him at all in that sort of situation and work together in qualifying? Because, hey, a bit of a toe helps here. Oh, absolutely. He was saying before he feels like Max, Max Verstappen. Because <laughs> he's, he, we literally call him the golden boy. So everything is for Roman this weekend. Well, good luck to all of the heart of racing, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing the setup change that you guys have worked on and, and this convenient red flag, how it works out. Thank you so much. Oh, brilliant stuff. The golden child, very much like it. We are still with clock running here, down to 41 minutes uh, on this. Uh, this is for some damage to the very edge of the kerbs at the outside edge of the kerbs at turn one, where all of the cars have been running right the way out there there's a patch of asphalt that is uh, missing uh, it's around about the size of a couple of big library books that has gone uh, missing there paul walter is out there our uh, race director and uh, there's a hole at the side of the track and they're looking into it uh, at the moment quite literally with the emr safety team rapid response cayenne uh, sitting there as well as jeremy said uh, you can clear up what was there jeremy the problem is I'm pretty certain that that's going to spread down the track with people running over it, particularly with the prototypes running over it, because they're creating that corner. That's a quick corner, uh, and that's just going to keep pulling that uh, that hole and, and extending it. It's a bit like when you get a, a bit of uh, frost damage in, in the yeah, road, isn't it? Exactly Once it breaks, yeah. breaks up one, the, the edges of that are, uh, are going to be be vulnerable yeah. great to see so many people here uh, this weekend thank you for joining us and seeing the the, the audience here the fans here uh, enjoying some of the new features like the new uh, terracing we've seen plenty of people with golf carts up on the the new terracing area which looks pretty cool from the camera shots actually because it looks like they're in with a whole load of boulders in there as if they've gone rock uh, rock uh, climbing uh, uh, nice to be back on asphalt again is the uh, uh, is the uh, message from somebody's very nicely uh, customised uh, golf cart with a an astronaut on the roof? Very good. Uh, at IMSA Radio, by the way, if you'd like to get in touch with us, clock runs uh, for this session. Um, no choice, as Jeremy said, for race control to do uh, other than what they did. And some great carvings around that you you were mentioning this. You had a, a bit of a private tour, Jeremy, when you were here uh, earlier on in the year. Yeah, very cool. There's uh, a lot, lot of trees have had to be cut down here with the uh, ash uh, the disease that has affected a lot of the ash trees in this uh, this part of the world. And uh, and there's a local artist here who's taken advantage of some of those tree stumps to make these fabulous carvings. As the, that, that was the the bald eagle, which is down on the. Uh, 
exit of turn 12, Calendar Corner on the right-hand side of the racetrack. You can see that from the, the golf cart uh, run down there. There's some um, uh, bears that are down on the exit or, or around the outside of t- kind of the outside turn two on the on the on the uh, the roadway there mm-hmm. outside of the, of the of the racetrack itself on the access road around the outside. There's up at turn six. There's uh, there's something else there. I forget what they all are now. But uh, there's a whole bunch of them all the way around this racetrack, and they are absolutely stunning. Seriously impressive. There's another one's a bit there's bears. I think down by the, the um, concession stand coming up uh, on the on the start finish line too uh, and there's uh, there's five or six of them around the, around the racetrack and they're just really really cool oh, and we should say that the dead ash trees are being replaced with new uh, planting in in various areas and this is a a multi-year program speaking to the sensitivity of maintaining and improving the environment around here it is so beautiful around here uh, it's important to note that the racetrack is here and is part of what is here. It doesn't count for any more or any less. Yes, yeah, so there's, there's a couple of bears up in the, up at turn six, it's, and the, it's the owls. I think they're down oh, by fantastic. Uh, down by turn two as well. It's just just stunning, tremendous work by that local artist. I forget, I'm not familiar with the name, I'm afraid, but uh, uh, hats off. Uh, sir, because you've done a really, really nice job. It just just adds a little bit more character to this already characterful racetrack. Repave, as we've been mentioned, coming in October. Uh, however, it will absolutely honour the tradition of maintaining the in- original track configuration back from 1955. Uh, the... Uh, paving of pit lane, full pave of pit lane which is concrete at the moment and some additional drainage as well uh, around the track that, that, is, a, that is a huge uh, investment financial investment by the circuit and they're clearly not at all uh, worried or scared about spending money to keep things uh, the way they should be here and to improve the facilities yeah. down through the, the track. Well, it's run as a non-profit. Uh, yeah, the, exactly. This track and uh, yeah. you know, any profit, any uh, proceeds that are made here go back into improving the facility. Fantastic. Those of you that don't know as well, for a lot of years, the uh, concessions here were run by uh, the still local are. charities. Yeah, still yeah. are. Yeah. Some of the names have changed, but uh, the, the track food around here is absolutely superb. I would say the best of any circuit I've been to in the world, the track concessions here. And uh, it is uh, absolutely mandatory that you get round as many as as you can. Uh, For those of you enjoying the afternoon sunshine, thank you. Sorry we haven't got anything to bring you in terms of action from the track. I suspect there'll be a a wee bit of a hiatus whilst the the, uh, pothole, for that is the possibly the yeah. only way I can describe it think about it on your local highway when there's a bit of rainwater gets under a, a one of the, the joints and then freezes and then water and then freezes and it eventually breaks, breaks apart and it's been lifted by the extreme stresses that are put on by race cars at very quick speeds coming out of turn number one and the very sticky Michelin tyres and the downforce pushing the, particularly the prototypes onto the road uh, and this is a nice bit of repair that's going on a bit of gravel has been used from the uh, side of the turn one to, pre- to, to uh, prepare a little bit of a sub base uh, that was going I used to work for a local uh, county council and uh, town council 
So I've spent many times watching people preparing uh, patches in roads and sort of quick dry going in over the top of that. Twenty minutes we're being told for the repair, which would leave us at the moment fifteen minutes still to run in this session. The track services and IMSA teams there making sure that he's safe. It, the, the paramount importance here, Jeremy, as much as this is frustrating for the teams and for everybody else, the paramount importance here is the safety. Uh, of everybody concerned now all right that's that's well out of the way but it, whether it was track workers or or, or, or marshals and and, and uh, corner workers or in this case it's the drivers and the teams and the teams understand this because they would be the first ones to be up in arms yeah. of course if they had damaged machinery or 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 something even worse that took them out of the of the weekend's action yes it's frustrating but this is absolutely for me the, the right thing to do it was only a matter of time before yeah. some cars were going to get damaged down there uh, as a result of that uh, track coming up there and uh, yeah they had absolutely no option but to to do what they've done and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get this thing underway again um, yeah, before time runs out on this session. Welcome back to Scott Andrews to our paddock. He's still in the car at the moment, Shea. So ready to go at the moment on the absolutely gut of green flag. <laughs> As he always is, Scott, you don't need extra uh, motivation to get back out on the racetrack, particularly in an LMP3 car at Road America. It's success is, is what's come in the past with you and Jerry with this team as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's... Can you hear me well? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's great to be back with uh, JDC in this particular car. We've had a lot of success with Jerry and, and the whole team. Um, yeah, so I'm really enjoying it. And, uh, you know, the, the car's sort of just coming back to me. It's, um, we did a lot of work with this car a few years ago. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, a really, it's a really nice car to drive, well-balanced. And, uh, yeah, I think our pace is okay. It's hard to say what everyone else is doing right now. But, um, you know, we've been reasonably competitive on the timesheets. I don't know what that means, but uh, we'll see when it comes to the race. Jerry's doing a great job. You know, he, he hasn't really done a lot of driving this year. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, I don't know if he's the oldest guy in the field, but he might be. And uh, he's doing awesome out there. And he's just, he's just driving so well. So I'm really happy for him. And uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And, um, you know, on the other side of things with the Mercedes GT4 with Anton, you know, in the, in the Riley Motorsports Mercedes, I'm really having fun in that as well, you know. And, uh, yeah, just enjoying it, loving life. How difficult was it yesterday with the GT4 car to run it in? Because that's a new car. Yeah, I was uh, moving chicane for, like, 45 minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, we just uh, it's got a very specific uh, way to break the car in. And um, we got the car so late that we didn't even get a chance to run it anywhere. We got it about three days before the event, I think. So um, we had to do the break-in session, and we're still sort of breaking it in. So, um but it, it's, it's really great to drive and we're having fun, you know, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an enjoyable car and, um, yeah, we're having a good time. It's a four hour race. It should be plenty broken in by the end of that one. So uh, that's the good news, but you and Jerry Kraut, you've driven together in the IMSA prototype challenge before you might be right. He might be the oldest guy in the field. I'll have to look into that, but this is a good combination for you. Uh, we've got confirmation from Jeremy Shaw. Yes, he is the oldest guy in the field. So that's pretty cool. But for you guys, is it simpler that you're the first pit box? You don't have to look for your sign when you're coming down the pit lane. 
I mean, Jerry's going to hate me say this, but he's not real great at finding the pit stops. This is actually perfect for us. Um, it's, it's great. So, uh, yeah, it actually works out well. And, you know, we, we, we get a chance to get the stop done and, you know, sort it out going down pit lane. So, actually, it's a really good spot for us. Is this a, a sighting mission for possible future races for JDC Miller with the LMP3 car? Or is this just come out, have fun at Jerry's home track? I'm not sure. I, I think it's the latter. Um, Jerry loves coming here. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's close to home. He can bring his family and his grandson and all that. So, uh, yeah, it's, I, think, I think it's more of a one-off for Jerry um, to do the WeatherTech Series, but more of a, you know, a uh, bucket list type deal. And, um, but he's doing a hell of a job so far. So, I don't know, maybe if we get a good result, maybe we'll want to keep going. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Well, Scott, good luck in both races this weekend, and uh, I know you've got a lot of fans around the world cheering you on. Thanks very much, Jay. Appreciate it. Thanks for dropping by. Anytime. <laughs> Says the man who's still sitting in his car. <laughs> Thank you, Cher. I like Scott. He's a good character. Yeah, uh, good driver. Is. Very good driver uh, as well. We're under red flag at the moment. Uh, we've had about 10 minutes just over of that uh, due to some damage to the uh, outer edges of the track at turn one and that is being looked at at the moment and being attended to bit of filler going in there at the moment Corvette have uh, just tweeted uh, working to patch the damage section of the track IMSA race control says it should take about 20 minutes at, uh, from Corvette <coughs> racing uh, that was about 10 minutes 5 minutes ago or thereabouts so as I said we probably have about 15 minutes to go if that timing uh, holds fast Jerry. which is likely therefore going to be the, the end for the uh, non-pro classes because the final 15-minute session is supposed to be yes. just for the, the, uh, the pro lineups. The, tr the clock is still running. We're down to 28 and a half minutes here and no word yet to whether the session may be extended. In the current scheme of things, the, the uh, next session for the IMSA WeatherTech sports car championship runners uh, would be the qualifying session at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning and there's not an awful lot of time to squeeze anything in uh, before that because we've got uh, the qualifying for the mission pilot challenge kicking things off at early doors at eight o'clock in the morning and that's a big wake up for everybody isn't it uh, and straight out at eight for the tcrs and then at 8 24 the GS version. Then we've got a Porsche Carrera Cup North America uh, presented by Visit Cayman Islands Race. That's at uh, 10 minutes before 9 in the morning. So that again is uh, pretty uh, early. And then we've got a race for Lamborghini at Trofeo, a 50 minute race at uh, 10 to 10 uh, before qualifying for WeatherTech. So there's not an awful lot of time to start moving things around and uh, Clearly, the other championships are, you know, are done for the day and have been for some time. So, couldn't uh, move things around to this afternoon because, quite honestly, some of those team members may well have left the circuit. So we uh, await to see what is going to happen. It's one of those unfortunate things uh, that can happen uh, at the circuit. Uh, as we stand, it was the number ten. Conning and Minolta Acura with a 149.806 that was quickest. Earl Bamba in second. 
for Cadillac Racing, or at least the 0-2 Cadillac Racing car in second and the 0-1 in third. So I think the good thing about this is that uh, if we do lose the rest of this session, and I'm not saying that would happen, is that we did get, Jeremy, the uh, full 15 minutes for the less experienced drivers at True. the start of this session. True. So that, that's uh, certainly good news. Pretty much everybody else has either not been here before or is a, a full professional. So Correct. for them, yeah, losing a bit of track time isn't as uh, as important for those who uh, who have less experience in total. So um, yeah, they're uh, still working out there and uh, still drivers sitting in their cars, not not getting out of the cars yet, are they? I suspect they're fairly comfortable. Uh, actually, um, not being thrown around in a race car is uh, is actually not a bad place to be. It just depends how warm it is in there. They will be allowed to to open doors if they want to, and I can see one or two have have done that. Yeah, this is not qualifying, so you are allowed to touch the yeah, car, exactly and open so. the doors, and everything like that. So, if you are just joining us, maybe uh, coming in to. Uh, afternoon coverage here from Road America and the IMSA Fastlane Sports Car Weekend here for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. We've been under a red flag situation from uh, around about the midpoint of the all-skate part of this session. This is the session which is 1 hour 45 minutes, or at least it was to start with. First 15 minutes for the non-pro classes of the GTD uh, LMP2 non-pro drivers and LMP3 non-pro drivers uh, and we were right in the middle of the, the middle 1 hour and 15 when uh, some damage to the outside portion of turn 1 just uh, on the edge or slightly beyond the edge of the curbing there, the corrugated uh, asphalt that is on the driver's left as you come out of turn number 1 you started to develop a little bit of a a hole there, and that was immediately starting to pull out quite large chunks of the top surface of the asphalt. Clearly, that couldn't have been uh, a good thing for anybody. And fairly quickly after that, within about a lap and a half or two, yeah. the red flag came out. Good spot, by the way, as well, by our camera operators. Uh, thank you very much again, as ever, to NASCAR Productions who make all of the cameras available to us here in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. And it was spotted very early on by our operator down there at Turn 1. I'm not sure who that is, actually, uh, this weekend. But we'll, uh, we'll find out in, in due course. Uh, super stuff from them having a good look at what was going on. And that's as soon as, of course, it starts to break off that top surface, it's not going to heal itself and it's not going to stop. Uh, the track... Uh, services team along with the EMR IMSA safety team uh, and our race director uh, Paul Walter down there having a look they've uh, broken up some of the sub base to make sure there's something for the patch to go into they've had a look around the edges to make sure that anything else that was loose they've forcibly pulled off uh, and the session will be extended now we're here from race control by 15 minutes so the rolling clock has now jumped up to 38 minutes spot on 38 minutes right now so 15 minutes 
added to that rolling clock at the moment. That's, I suspect, Jeremy, to make sure that that all-skate portion in the middle does get a chance to get some running before we clear everybody off for DPI and GTD Pro. I think that's right, and, and I think a great, again, a great decision uh, by race control. I mean, you don't want to impinge on the uh, the state of the sport address that uh, takes place at uh, a little bit later on this evening. But uh, yeah, there is some time. This is, as you were talking about, the final activity on track for the day. So uh, let's use that time wisely. So uh, once again, yeah, more more really good decisions being made there and. The, the pragmatic, team will be grateful for that. You know, it, it's 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 pragmatic. It's the right yeah, decision. Absolutely. Um, not going to get all of the time back quite clearly, uh, but then again, uh, giving that 15 minutes means that there is a full uh, a full track for people to get a bit more experience out there. Uh, whilst we keep an eye on what's going on down at Turn One, uh, we'll bring you many more news from Race Control as we get it here. We're live trackside at Road America. Let's go back down to Shea Adam, who's out in what is a beautiful early evening uh, at the moment. Uh, and she is with Jaden Conright from the NTE Lamborghini. Jaden, you're another one of these drivers who's new to Road America, trying to learn your way around the track. And you did a pretty good job at that in the first session with the second quickest time. Lamborghini seems like it's pretty well suited to this track. Are you feeling that way? Uh, yeah, no, definitely. I think the pace was really good during session one. We're just kind of playing with it now, especially in this longer session. It's a little bit later than the even the race will be headed happening on Sunday, so just kind of getting a feel for it, especially since it's both the mine and Marco's first time in this car at this track. So I think overall the pace is where, where we're at is pretty good. Uh, just working one step at a time, there's things that we could still definitely improve. So hopefully we're able to get back out there and then get this sorted out soon, and we could try some of the stuff that we're still trying to get off the agenda. But... Yeah, no, definitely a great way to start the weekend here at Road America. Now, you do a lot of learning tracks by Sims, correct? At the, it doesn't give you the elevation feels when you're there, and this place does have a lot of elevation. How different has that been getting in the car today? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's less of the elevation stuff. It's more of the, the confidence, because I, like I said kind of in the fan form earlier, it's just it takes so much confidence and commitment around here that... Um, it's just getting that feeling out there and making sure that you can commit to it. Because on the sim, if you crash, it's it's whatever. But if you crash a crash here, it's not going to be as uh, as nice as if you crash in a sim. So it's just kind of that confidence feeling, especially around here. Marco's good with confidence around here because he got his first ever pole position in the American Le Mans series at this place. I remember that shock uh, from the graphics truck working back then. Has he been able to help you with any of those sort of moves to say, hey, look, you're breaking a little bit early in five. You can go an extra two feet or anything like that. I mean, we, we had our first session, and we I was the only one that got new tires, so we kind of been, like, trading back and forth. But, yeah, no, I think it's been good. It's, it's been great having Marco here and working together. Uh, our driving styles are actually quite similar, kind of coming from a somewhat similar background to him a little bit more on the professional side of it. So it's been quite good so far. Cars have been able – we've been able to set up cars, and we always have more or less the same feedback. So it's been really good so far working with Marco. Good luck for the rest of the weekend. Uh, thank you. Yeah, give a good account of himself in the fan forum. Thank you, Jaden. And to the other drivers who came out, Aaron Tealitz, Tom Blancquist, Dolly Jarvis, and uh, Ryan Eversley and Ryan DL. Uh, we're in very fine form, very fine form. That's a decent lineup, isn't it, when you think about it? Uh, fastest uh, in the GTD class, second uh, fastest uh, in 
uh, or fastest for a time in GTD with uh, Aaron and Jaden, championship leaders uh, in Ollie and Tom, and uh, and then we had the, the two Ryan. So I think Ryan <laughs> DL had been quickest as well. So uh, pretty good uh, for uh, everybody concerned. And as I say, uh, the. Guys gave a good account of themselves. Uh, it is our, our camera uh, operator down at turn one that we have to thank for the very good pickup is Tim LaBuff or Buffy, uh, as he's known. Not sure whether there's any vampire slaying goes on in his uh, spare time, but Tim, thank you very much indeed. There's activity down in the pit lane, Shea Adam. Uh, now, uh, and uh, Tim is uh, protected by a, a little bit of an umbrella down there and uh, he was uh, checking out what was going on for us uh, down there at turn one so tim thank you very much indeed uh are we thinking that something is going to happen i'm seeing drivers opposite us starting to head back to their cars yeah and we've actually got some drivers such as uh well three of the last six cars that i just passed robbie foley in the turner bmw Juan Pablo Montoya in the Dragon Speed number 81, and Madison Snow in the number one Paul Miller Racing BMW that never actually got out of their cars, as we are now less than a minute to the green flag, and uh, engines have fired. Now, you're not allowed to leave early. Remember, you're not supposed to leave your box. The 14 Lexus just came back out from behind the wall. They were back in their garage. They had to come back to their box and wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. I've got other teams that are actually cutting out my radio because their signal frequency is boosted so much to try and get signal all the way around. That's a good sound. So uh, very good information being passed from race control uh, to the teams when they thought it would be about 20 minutes. They said it would be about a 20-minute fix. That was about spot on. 15 minutes, remember, added to the end of this session. So we'll actually have just over 16 minutes of everybody potentially out on track. And then the last 15 minutes, effectively the additional 15 minutes, will be for the, the pro classes only. That's the uh, DPI category and GTD Pro. So a bit of we started off with a bit of bonus coverage for you this morning of uh, some of the practice and qualifying sessions from the one make championships uh, we'll give you a bit of overtime uh, this evening uh, as we head into what appears to be a beautiful evening here at road america temperature as warm as it's been today actually 26 degrees in the air uh, and 39 celsius on track that's dropped back a, a wee bit that's 102 fahrenheit on track and 79 fahrenheit in the air that is more than pleasant that's lovely for this time of day just a little bit of uh, wind coming up from the south but not much to talk about about a mile or two miles an hour is all so Jeremy all skates for the next 15 minutes and track temperature right up there the whole field bar I think about half a dozen cars heading out onto the track here to get the advantage of this last 15 or 30 minutes if uh, it's the DPIs and the and the GTD pros. Yeah, hats off to everybody concerned for making that all happen. Yeah, more than and, a little golf uh, clap. Yeah, very absolutely well done. right, brilliant. And uh, I, I think it would behoove the drivers now to to steer clear of that part of the racetrack. I mean, yeah, good point. 
you know, I know, you know, the, the, the drivers will always optimise what they can in terms of finding as much speed as they can in any particular corner. That's the uh, that's the art of being a racing driver. But, um, you know, track limits uh, is a factor down in any case. That the officials on the look for it, and uh, you know, there's no point now. I would say in running super wide there and and risking uh, causing any more damage to either the track. There goes a car right over it. How daft is that? Yeah. Um, who was that? It was, well, it was number zero two in actual fact. Um, and then there's a whole he's bunch of doing a lot, it as well. Actually. Yeah, he's, that, that's, his, that's his regular line through yeah. there. And as often as not, he gets called on it. I don't understand it. I just don't understand that mentality. I mean, we, you talk, we talk about, we always talk about the Road America, the fact that this track has not changed since 1955 when the place yeah. was built. Yeah. Well, it actually has changed on that particular corner because we've got that extra curbing yes. on the outside, yeah. which is much wider than it used to be. Uh, and now it's been extended with that extra asphalt, another, what, was it 10 metres or so? Yeah, 10 yards or so, probably yeah. a lot more asphalt. Uh, so it has changed the uh, characteristics of the racetrack in that particular corner. And the driver's taking full advantage of it. As I say, that's their prerogative. That's what they're supposed to do. But but having had that uh, that repair just made, I don't understand why the drivers were running over on their first lap out of the pits. Crazy to me. Yeah. I wonder if I wonder if uh, race control might have a word, actually. Well, I mean, it, it, it would. Uh, yeah, what do, do the drivers do? They want to race here, or do they want well, to cause damage to the track and not be able to race? Yeah. Fairly simple answer from from my perspective. Um, I mean, paint a white line down the outside of that. Curve. Yeah, I, if I mean, you, I, if you I, go I, over it, you're I, out. Yeah, the drivers' meeting. Drivers' meeting is uh, tomorrow morning, probably, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I would suggest to the drivers, look, we, we might well think about changing yep. the rule that we currently have in place. Yep. Uh, and whereas now you're allowed to go right to the very limit, as he did again there uh, on the exit of turn one. And there's so another car that ran too right wide. Yep. Um, if Now, if you have to say you have to keep... Uh, Part of the car on the on the white on the line, right hand side. the white yeah. line, yes, exactly, rather than the outside of the curbing. Correct, Correct. Uh, that'll solve that problem. So, and, that, and that's an easy thing to enact, yeah. Jeremy. Absolutely is. But, the, but it, it needs to be done before qualifying. Yes, agreed. Totally agreed. I, I I do think sometimes, and I've said this a number of times in the past, I, we, we kind of make things difficult for ourselves in four wheeled motorsport because <laughs> there are. Slightly different interpretations depending on track, depending on series, etc. One of the things I like about two-wheel motorsport is that at, at world level, both World Superbike and MotoGP, there's a green stripe at the edge of the track. And any part of your tyre goes on the green stripe at the edge of the track, you're off the track. You do it three times, you get a long lap penalty, yeah. which would be like a drive-through here. Um, if you do it on the last lap of the race, you get at least a single place demotion and we've got the dragon speed car yeah. driving driving through the cutout from turn wow. 5 and has rejoined at turn 13 presumably to go back into the pits uh, clearly didn't realise could have come back in uh, through the back of the pits yes coming straight back into the pit lane they've gone into the paddock there there's one or two uh, strange looks being 
give in to that. Anyway, well, we'll I'm sure we'll be told what's going on. Drivers' meetings eight o'clock on Sunday morning. Potentially, uh, maybe something happening before qualifying. We'll find out, and we will let you know. 25 minutes still to go, so that's 10 minutes of the old skit, and then DPI and GT at D Pro and cars still sliding out and yeah and, and it's just digging up that repair thanks Tim thanks Puffy for that Daft. yeah agree Jeremy I, listen I oh, hello Sean Creech Motorsport off at turn 5 rejoins <laughs> guess whom um I mean Bantley Jackson it's, it's, it's not Jar Barbosa okay okay <laughs> The Dragon Speed car, I'm hearing, wasn't sounding too good. And Shea Adam, it has made it back to the pit lane. It sounded really sick as it came by the start finish line two times before Juan Pablo Montoya taking the cutout and bringing it back into the pit lane. Mechanics are looking at the engine headers. They're trying to make sure that all the cables are connected because definitely this thing sounded sick. And Juan Pablo Montoya knows enough about race cars to know when one is not functioning as it should be. But interesting that they're doing this work on the pit lane instead of taking it back to the garage. Yeah, thank you, Cher. So, improvement last time around by Richard Westbrook for JDC Miller Motorsports. A 151.9. And actually quite a bit of green there. I, I did hear the when Cher was doing a couple of the interviews, the uh, the wheel guns were going, so I'm presuming there was a, there's been some changes of tyres out there on the pit lane whether this will be uh, this will be not uh, strictly speaking a qualifying sim but uh, a chance to do uh, some more quick laps Shea Adam is looking into the engine bay of that uh, Dragon Speed car what were they looking at you? They were using a thermometer to digitally assess which of the pipes coming out of the engine was running hottest, and it is number four. So that's the one that is currently the issue for this team. And I think now they are going to figure out a way to bring it back to the garage because Juan Pablo Montoya has clambered out. Probably actually looking for the coldest one, the one that isn't firing. So if that was the exhaust header coming out of there that they were putting a pyrometer on, uh, they'd be looking to see which one was cooler rather than hotter. Uh, if it's cooler, it's not firing. So it's just pushing out unburned fuel. Uh, and that was probably why it sounded very odd when it came past Shea on the front straight before. Clever way of doing it. Um, back in the old days, you just used to wet your finger and put it on the uh, exhaust. And hopefully that you found it very quickly before you burned your fingerprints off. <laughs> Jeremy, is you've done that as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was like... The other thing is you used to take the uh, spark plugs out and turn the engine over and see if the spark plug was sparking but try not to give yourself an electric shot while you were, you were doing it. Earth it on the top of the engine somewhere. Great idea. Yeah. Done all of that. All of that. Hey, we've got a new fastest time in GTD Pro. Wow. Jack, Jack Hawksworth now. Uh, the, the, the best time previously been set by Frankie Montecalvo in the GTD entry, the non-pro car, car number 12. Uh, but uh, that was very, very early in the session. But Jack Hawks was, has just gone a, a tad quicker, only, what, uh, seven thousandths quicker 
uh, a 20, oh, 2 minutes 5.968 then for uh, Jack Hawksworth. That is the fastest time in GTD Pro uh, today because the fastest time uh, in the uh, earlier session uh, was by uh, Robert McGuinness at a 206.3, so significantly faster. The, the, the qualifying lap record, by the way, for GTD, which I actually set way back in 2019, it's Ben Keating at 205.2. So, uh, you know, within the realm now, that within three quarters of a second of that, the, the pole time last year for GTD was a 207.1. That was by Aaron Tiedert. So, good bit faster than that by a whole bunch of the cars actually so far. Top, well, top uh, three GTD cars and the top two GTD pros. Jeremy Shaw with me, John Hindhoff in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre and what's turned into a beautiful early evening just before 5 o'clock here Central Time at Road America and just on 6 minutes still of the All Skate before we hand the track over to just the 6 DPIs and the GTD Pro Runners giving them the opportunity to maybe just turn up the wick a little bit obviously there's no turning up the wick nowadays in terms of anything they can adjust not like the old days when you used to turn up the turbo boost or whatever it's all fixed maybe do a couple of low fuel runs just to see what the car's like with fewer cars on the on the track uh, temperature pretty good here at the moment qualifying for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship tomorrow at 11 o'clock in the morning I doubt it'll be quite as warm as it is now on the, the track with the track temperature at a spot on 100 Fahrenheit, 38 degrees, 38 Celsius, should I say. 26 in the air has been pretty constant all day, to be honest. Proven a few, uh, two or three laps ago by Oliver Jarvis in car number 60. That's the championship leading car. Still six in DPI, but he's now at least ahead of the fastest LMP2 time, which he wasn't up until now. Just uh, just gone uh, faster again, actually, in sector one, as Oliver Jarvis. Uh, personal best. Uh, where is that car out on the racetrack? It's heading around the carousel now. Yeah, and, just coming to uh, the kick. Yeah, he's, I think he's just had to, had to get past a GTD it's car. Madison Snow in the Paul Miller Racing yeah. BMW that he just had to get by. Yeah, who's also improved uh, within the last two or three oh. laps as well. Traffic extraordinary at the moment this is going to be a real test of concentration when we get to the race on Sunday morning 10.40 green flag for the IMSA Fastlane Sports Car Weekend at Road America the next round of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship coming to the business end of the season now good points here all seem to become even more important bad finishes here disastrous just have no time to recover from a bad finish at this time of the season. No, a very, very good point. And uh, it, it's, it's always a factor here. Fuel consumption is something that you have to be oh. uh, really, really tight or you've got to get a, have a, a real grip on that all the way through this weekend. And actually, in fact, uh, lunchtime, I was talking to Robbie Wickens and, and Mark Wilkins, who are driving the Mission Pilot Challenge Series, and uh, we saw the number 33 car with Mark Wilkins at the wheel uh, draw, uh, come to a halt down in Canada Corner during the practice session earlier t today and uh, they ran out of fuel uh, oh, and yeah at was Canada that deliberate? Corner. No, well, yes to a point but they thought they could get it back 
uh, he said the light came on, the, the warning light came on uh, uh, as they crossed start finish line. Oh. So there is not enough fuel once that light comes on to get around and to the pit lane. And uh, that's something that is a concern. They knew, they know it's been a concern with that car all the way along I mean the, the scavenge system is so good it picks up literally the last few um, you know milliliters of fuel but it does leave you susceptible there's number two OQ car oh, off the road again that's another uh, penalty and he's you know that, that car is obviously very strongly built because he's putting it, it really putting that car through its space he's yeah, really, heard what, it's uh, already you know, pretty bumpy off the road track and he's, he's off-roading it and that's that's taken a lot out of the car. It's Alex Lynn driving that car heard, at the moment. Heard what uh, Owen Trinkler was saying uh, early on yeah. uh, about you know looking after suspension components yeah. and, and tyres and things like that. Uh, last two minutes for the all skate. Uh, we'll keep an eye on any changes in LMP2, LMP3 and GTD while Shea Adam gives us another interview from the pit lane. Where are you, Shea? I'm with Tristan Nunez, PR1 Matheson Motorsport. It's a very good team. It's now a reunion with you and Stephen Thomas in an LMP2 car once again. First off, how good is it to be driving a race car with Stephen again? Yeah, it's good to be back in a race car in general and uh, to be back with Stephen. Uh, it's it's really humbling to see how how far he's come. Um, his progress has, has been incredible. I mean, he's a Le Mans winner now, so I, I think it says a lot. Um, I like to think I have a little bit to do with it, but you know, I'm that's just a proud coach moment, I guess. But yeah, definitely good to be back in the car um, at Road America. I mean, it's one of the best races on the calendar, so no better, no better place to come back and do some racing. And it's going to be nice to come back knowing that you are with a team very capable of winning. Yeah, exactly. No, it's um, this is a team we went against last year, so um, you know everything's kind of coming around full circle. So it's it's nice to have. Um, a chance of some wins um, the next next couple races, so uh, really excited. Is it a weird sensation knowing that you have tomorrow completely off since you're not involved in qualifying? Yeah, I took I had a look at the schedule a couple times just to make sure that that was correct. Uh, definitely a weird a weird Saturday, but uh, you know I'll I'll enjoy the the time off while I can, and uh, I'll see uh, Stephen put it on pole. So looking forward to it. You're still his number one cheerleader, aren't you? Oh, always. <laughs> Tristan, good luck this weekend. Thank you so much. Spin on the exit of turn five, and it'll be a quick rejoin for the zero one. And that car had just gone purple in sector one, Sebastian ah. Bourdais. Bourdais, who had a fantastic run of form at the front of the season, was strangely off his game at Watkins Glen, wasn't it? He did quite up to it. Sorry, CTMP, wasn't it? He was. Trying to carry a little bit too much speed Still won, of course, then. through uh, turn five there, did Bourdais, and the car just got away from him on the exit and around it goes, a kind of a lazy sort of a spin. Too much inside Didn't get off curve the road as well. Maybe, yeah. yeah, it could be. I think just, just carrying a little bit too much speed, I think, in general. I mean, he was absolutely on a limit there, no doubt about it. Uh, just gone the, the, the best sector time of all in sector one, but not able to put it together for a full lap. But, you know, that, that, uh, that, that team that had a, a really difficult start to the season at 0 1 car they finished uh, uh, last in what three of the first four races of the season but since then uh, they've uh, certainly got the pace I mean Sebastian Bourdais has had four poles this season they've won two of the last three races and were third in the other one that being at Watkins Glen so yeah, they're certainly on a roll now they've got themselves up to the third position in the points table best of the Cadillacs in actual fact now 
despite that uh, difficult start to the year. So looking to uh, to finish the season off strongly. Uh, Sebastian Bourdais and Ranga van der Zander cleared that car working very, very well today. He's going to bring into the pits now. So we should have been ending the session round about now completely, but we've added 15 minutes onto the end as pretty much everybody comes into the pit lane anyway. They don't think it's over. Um, at least I don't think they think it's over. I presume Shea Adam down there in the pit lane as the zero one Cadillac of Sebastian Bordier comes towards you. Ricky Taylor's in in the number 10. Conning Imanolta Acura and Alex Lindsay in the zero two car as well. Uh, new set of tyres. Are they stickering up for this last 15 minutes? Everybody gets stickers. It's a bit right. like an Oprah convention where, you know, you get stickers and you get stickers and John Edwards gets stickers and he's very happy about that. Sitting behind the wheel of the 25 BMW, he will be doing qualifying duties tomorrow. So this is very much a mock quality run for the BMW MT Marlel. I am sandwiched between he and the Whalen Engineering Cadillac. That is stickers as well up on the wall for them. Stickers having just gone on the 0-2 Cadillac for Alex Lynn. So I'd imagine he'll be doing qualifying as he has for most of the races so far this year. I did a little bit of um, research into who's done most of the qualifyings. And Sebastian Bourdais is basically the driver in prototype who's hogged the car for most of the qualifying sessions. But Alex Lynn is right there with him as well for a number of qualifying sessions run. Here we go. There's Olivier Plaw into the box. And, oh, yes, stickers there as well. Yeah, the, the zero 2 car off track again at Turn 1. And another penalty, effectively. And that is... You, you do have to wonder when the risk control's patience will, will run out there. Uh, problem for the... Uh, number 57 car out on the circuit. That's Phil Ellis in the Windward Racing Mercedes. Uh, had a moment out on the circuit, but uh, is continuing. Now. Uh, not at speed, that yeah. car. But then again, his session is over, in fairness. Well, well is it? Um, well, it, we, we, we haven't seen any uh, notifications at... Uh, the non-pro cars have to come into the pits and, and I didn't see a flag in front of us either no, Jeremy actually no and I mean there's, there's a whole bunch of them still out on the racetrack so um, uh, number 90 car moving very slowly indeed alright so maybe the end of this session is still going to be all skate so that would yeah. be almost all the time back yeah. for everybody in the, the middle portion Scott Andrews for JDC has stopped mm. and he's opened the door and this will be a red flag. This is the blue and red number 90 we're talking about. The JDC Miller Duquesne for Scott Andrews. And indeed the red flag is out with 11 minutes to go. Again, absolutely no option there. That car dead stick uh, out at uh, turn just, just, turn before, 11 just before the kink, I think. Just yeah, before just the, the kink, yeah. yeah the exit yeah, yeah. of the carousel pulled over onto the right-hand side of the racetrack, and that's a scary place to be sitting. Um, but, uh, yeah, the safety team is there now. And uh, 10 minutes remaining in this session. 
And thanks to Blair, one of our many wonderful pit lane officials down here. The last 10 minutes, we're going to be the all-skate for the ah. pro cars only. But it was going to be 5.05 to 5.15. Obviously, things have changed slightly since uh, there is a car stopped out on the track, and that is Scott Andrews. And, John, I'm not going to walk down to him to do another interview because that would be a long walk. Yeah. And, uh, well, it'd be a very long walk at the moment exactly. because you'd have to go uh, down through that new golf cart uh, tra uh, trail. And once again, we get uh, yellow, white, and red. Yeah, so this will be this will then be the end of the session for the non-pro cars. So when we go back to green, which we should be able to do, one would hope, then it'll be uh, just a few minutes on track for the DPIs and the GTD Pros. In the GTD, it's still the number 14 Lexus that has set the fastest time. That was Jack Hawksworth a little while ago after the restart. At a two minutes, uh, 5.968, just fractionally quicker, by seven thousandths of a second faster than the sister car, the GTD entry of Frankie Montecalvo. Uh, third fastest, or second fastest in GTD regular, uh, just, re just uh, well, actually, a, a, a long time ago, was the Acura for Rick Ware Racing, car number 51, Ryan Eversley and uh, Aidan Reed with the uh, uh, second fastest time in GT. That's kind of a 51. And was it set that time in that car? It would have been... Wrong, wrong chart here. Number 50, kind of 51. It was Aidan Reed who set that time uh, quite a long time ago now. Uh, and that remains second fastest in GTD. Third fastest in GTD was... Uh, uh, Russell Ward, again, I think mm. that was around about the time of the restart as well, either just before or just just afterwards, I think. Yeah, yeah, just, just after the restart. Uh, and that's the car that's now being, uh, that was slow coming back to the pit lane. Uh, Scott Andrews, JDC Miller Motorsports, Jacani is being towed back now through Canada Corner, so that'll be off the racetrack fairly soon. And we'll have probably about seven minutes to go for the final part of this session. Fourth fastest in GTD, Madison Snow in number one, Paul Miller racing BMW, uh, 207.255. Uh, rounding out the top five is the number 79 car, Danny Junkadela, his first visit here to Road America in the Mercedes car number uh, 79, a two minute 7.387. So it'll, this will be the end of the session for the LMP2s and LMP3s. Fastest time in LMP2, Ryan DL, 1 minute 52.619, car number 18 for Era Motorsports. Second fastest, Juan Pablo Montoya in the number 81 car for Dragon Speed USA, at a 152.9. Third fastest in car number 8 was Louis Delatraz, the Swiss driver at a 152 point, also 152.9. So a super close, super close there, in less than tenths of a second behind them, Tristan Nunez in the number 11 for PR1 Matheson Motorsports. Oh, that is your VP Racing Fuel in session update. Thank you to Jeremy Shaw for that here in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. LMP3s. Yes, please. Uh, fastest time was number 36. That was very, very early on by Gabby Chavez for Andretti Autosport, the Ligier, a 2 minutes point zero three nine. He's got a half a second in hand over Scott Andrews in the number 90 Duquesne for JDC Milamo. So that's the car that stopped out on track just now. Uh, Malta Jakobsen 
is third fastest in LMP2. Actually, it's Joao Barbosa who set the fastest time in the Sean Creech Motorsports Ligier Calibre 33, a 2 minutes point eight, uh, and a tenth of a second behind him, Felipe Fraga for Riley Motorsports in Calibre 74. Rounding out the top five, the championship leader is Colin Brown, along with John Bennett in number 54, Core Autosport Ligier. Green flag, six minutes to go, John. Yeah, but so this is going to be... Uh a bonkers dash, isn't yeah, it, for everybody to use up a set of new Michelin tyres. Everyone with a new set of Michelins. Cher, how many sets do the, the teams have this weekend in the, in the classes? Uh, hmm, hang on. I've got uh, it in my notebook. It's right behind me. Uh, it is 10 sets for the DPI and the LMP2. It is 7 sets for LMP3, GTD Pro, and GTD. But, of course, that does not count towards your wet weather allocation. Uh, so, yes. remember, if you're really going to bet on it raining on Sunday, and oh, I would. No, 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 no. You can't do that. You absolutely can't do that. 16 Wright Motorsport Porsche, the light blue and black car, has... Um, left its pit box or is it on its way back to its pit box where it's stopped I think so right at the beginning of pit lane it is isn't it? right at the beginning of pit lane so I'm not well sure before all the pit stalls yes indeed so that's actually the reason I can't see it is it's no. behind the starter stand and the uh, the weather tech boarding on yeah. the the walkway to to our starter stand uh, f- five minutes to go by the way uh, another Turn one track penalty. I think that was for the Corvette, the number yeah, three. Yeah, it was, John. Yeah. Um, so their 21st lap has been invalidated. It, listen, it doesn't matter right now. Of course, it doesn't, because these laps, as it's done, don't count for anything. In qualifying on the race, those infractions would be adding up, yeah. and uh, potentially, and it's per car, by the way, not per driver. So if you had uh, track limit infractions for the car, uh, one. One for one driver, one for another, and a, and then a couple more for a third driver. It would be the car that's penalised, not the individual driver. It would have been interesting actually to take a tally of the penalties for each car, particularly for number zero two car. Zero that's two and zero one were the yeah, two, I think. Absolutely right, incredible. I wonder if there might be a wee word quietly in the ears. Um, Paul Paul Walter and. Uh, and uh, Bob Barfield, our race officials here, like to officiate by consent. And it's very much softly, softly approached by uh, both of our senior race officials here. That, that was a legal lap this time around for column 02 there, actually, but he ran straight over the repaired part of that uh, asphalt on the exit of Turn 1. And uh, again, risking damage to... Uh, to the car, let alone the, the, the track itself. Down to the last three minutes now of this extended session. Damage to the extreme edge of the uh, asphalt curbing. That sounds sort of a contradiction in terms, but there's corrugated asphalt on the edge of turn one to give the drivers uh, a little bit of field as to when they're off the side of the circuit. It's not the overlaid curbing that you see on the European tracks. But they, they are quite severe here. Owen Trinkler of uh, TGM was in the booth with us earlier on, uh, seeing that, you know, he's racing in the Pilot Challenge, seeing that they are, have already discussed 
uh, making sure that you don't use the curbs too much. They've, in fairness, have got a four-hour race. But even so, what was that that just went through? It was the number five car, Richard Westbrook, fully lit as he went pyres and a very loud Cadillac. Slightly different note of the engine to either of the, the DPIs, slightly uh, either the Acura GPIs, a little bit more of a hitting you in the sternum kind of exhaust noise inside the last two minutes. Yeah, and a, uh, a personal best first sector there, final sector, I should say, for Oliver Jarvis, so they'll be heading on to a good lap now. There is a, a personal best for the fastest car in this section, Philip Albuquerque in car number 10. He went to personal best in sector one, as has Sebastian Bourdais, as has Alex Lynn in car number 02, and that is purple, fastest of all then, wow. for Alex Lynn in car number 02. And that... I mean, that is what we kind of expect, Jeremy, if this is a quality sim of yep. sorts. It's not. It's normally not the first couple of laps. And we, we started this session, uh, we restarted this session with six minutes to go. As they came out of the pitch, they bring the tyres up to temperature and pressure, and then the drivers are unleashed onto the circuit. Indeed, the improvements also on that last lap for Maddie Campbell, second fastest in GTD Pro, now behind the number 14 Lexus and also number 12 Lexus GTD non-pro that remains faster than Maddie Campbell. Also an improvement for Antonio Garcia in the number three Corvette up to third fastest in GTD pro. Also an improvement for fourth fastest in the class, John Edwards in car number 25, the BMW M Team RLL. Ah, purple again for sector two, Alex Lynn. Oh, hello. This, this is going to be a quick one for the Cadillac number 02. Got to keep it on the track for the last couple of corners. Comes into turn 14 now as through goes Philippe Albuquerque. Passes us now. Doesn't improve. And Albuquerque does not improve. Ollie Jarvis has gone through. He has improved. And there to the top, Alex Lynn, as predicted by Jeremy Shaw. The Cadillac then on its 32nd lap, a 149-422. And they'll all, all of those cars I've just mentioned, will get another lap. Yeah. So Albuquerque, the only one that didn't improve of the top four. And in fact, five of the six DPIs did improve that time around. Yeah, and all four of those have now gone faster again through sector one on this final lap as the chequered flag waves across the line uh, oh, to yeah. take it. John Al Edwards did improve uh, in the uh, number 25 car, so he's up to third place in GTD Pro. Antonio Garcia also improved, but fell behind John Edwards. And Albuquerque albeit in the short sector, fastest of anybody in this session, in the number 10, Conington Minolta Acura. We think of this circuit as an Acura sort of track because it's sweeping and the, the cars really like it. But are the bigger engine Cadillacs with the more torquey uh, big V8 motor going to pull something off here? Alex Lynn on a personal best. By only five one-thousandths of a second, yeah. by the way, the difference between Albuquerque and Alex Lynn in that first sector. Yeah. And Albuquerque is quick, but not as quick as Alex Lynn, who goes 
Fastest of anyone in the long 63-second middle sector. Just before him, coming up the hill now, Oliver Jarvis, he went purple, fastest of all, but now that has been eclipsed by Alex. And here comes Jarvis across the line. He'll go to second. He'll be no better than second. That's accurate in second. 149.686. He drops down to third with a 49 574 for Sebastian Bourdais in the 0 1 Chip Ganassi run Cadillac and Alex Lynn comes through and puts the cherry on top of the Chip Ganassi cake with a 149 3 2 1. Fully two and a half tenths ahead of his teammate, who is then 0.066 of a, he- a second ahead of the Koninka Minolta Acura Philippe Albuquerque and 0.046 further back. Literally the blink of an eye. Ollie Jarvis for the number 60. Maya Shank racing with Curb Agajanian. Then it's seven tenths wow. back to Ollie Pla in fifth for Whelan Engineering in the 31. And another eight tenths back to Richard Westbrook. The top six separated by just on two seconds. And in GTD Pro, the only improvement at the chequered flag was John Edwards uh, in the... Number 25, BMW with a 206976. I tell a lie, actually. Antonio Garcia improved on his last lap as well. There will be third and fourth behind Vassar Sullivan's Lexus and Faf Motorsports Porsche. And all six DPI cars set their best lap on that final lap. Well, you'd hope that. You'd hope that. Well, the extended session then comes to an end in exciting times. Uh, literally as well as metaphorically those times at the top of the standings uh, about half a second away from the fastest lap we've ever seen around here a 48.7 is what Jeremy told us earlier on and this remember is not yet into qualifying so they wouldn't have had the chance to pump out the fuel they probably were running a little heavier because of that lost time that we had on the pit lane so that boards well for qualifying tomorrow at 11 o'clock local time and we've got the whole race for you green flag at 10.40 on Sunday qualifying tomorrow by the way Uh, no blocks no breaks with full video coverage for you as well the international stream is available to those of you in the US Uh, it'll be free no subscription required imsaradio.com if you want to join us for that and there's plenty of racing around that tomorrow including of course our Saturday air main if you will the four hours of the Michelin Pilots Challenge tomorrow afternoon it's been a full fast Friday and Alex Lynn for Cadillac Racing has come out on top final word from you Shea Adam down in the pit lane oh I thought I heard Shea Uh, in the background there my apologies well thanks to Shea and to Jeremy and to particularly to Tim Gray in London as well as our uh, technical team on site here at Road America and of course our colleagues in Charlotte at NASCAR Productions for allowing us to see all of the action today and putting it up on the big screens for you here enjoy your evening Wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, be careful. And remember, what you've seen today is all pro. Don't try to do that out on the street. Uh, Come back and join us tomorrow in the same one piece that you are this evening. On behalf of everyone here at Road America, thanks for being with us this Friday. We continue with a bumper Saturday for a super Saturday tomorrow here from Road America and from the IMSA Fast Lane Sports Car Weekend. Bye for now. 
This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.